0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number one ninety-seven of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. It's my favorite coffee. I drink it every single day. Uh, I, I quit saying I drink it in the morning. I do drink it in the morning, but I uh, sometimes drink it in the afternoon too. It's delicious. I love it. If you guys like coffee. I highly suggest checking it out. All you got to do is go to CouchTownCoffee.com, find a coffee you like, let them know how you want it roasted, they'll ship it directly to your house. It's that easy, it's that awesome. CouchTown Coffee is one of my favorites, so check it out. Uh, One of the other cool things about CouchTown Coffee, if you guys uh, do make an order at CouchTownCoffee.com, you can save 20%. That, that's 20% off your coffee. That's basically shipping it for free and then some. So check it out. Uh, just let them know Audible Farm sent you. And they'll take 20% off. Say, hey, boom, I heard you on Audible Farm. I want to try the coffee. Let's give it a whirl. Uh, Couchdown Coffee, everybody. They're my favorite. Thanks, Couchdown. This week, I'm sitting down. I'm actually not sitting down with anyone. I'm sitting down alone again. I had an issue trying to schedule some people. Most people were busy this week. I don't know what's going on this week that makes it so busy. But I had a lot of people say they could do podcasts next week. So next week, I have like 4,000 scheduled out. No, I'm kidding. I have a few scheduled out for next week. So hopefully uh, it all works out and we'll have a new episode out next week. This week, I'm going to have a replay episode uh, from about two years ago when I sat down and talked with Chris Carr. And I I can't remember the exact date that I sat down and talked with him. It was roughly around this time, but uh, I can't tell you exactly when it was. But it's crazy to think that it was two years ago was the last time I sat down and talked with him. And I've seen him around here and there. I've seen him play a few times. I've uh, actually got the opportunity to play a few songs with him at a couple jam nights uh, randomly when he just kind of shows up. Sometimes he shows up and doesn't play. It's just... He's such an enigma. I think some of it comes down to the fact that he is so busy lately. If you go look at his schedule, it's like, oh, you got 25 shows this month. Okay. That makes sense. You know, and some of them are like two a days, and he's busy man, busy man. He's also, uh, I believe, also has, like, uh, other jobs. So wild, wild stuff going on. Uh, I hope to have him back on the podcast again soon but before we get into that episode i do want to uh say that i i mean i thought about saving this for the outro but i'll i'll just kind of say it here in in the last couple weeks i've had a a giant influx of people messaging me or accounts contacting me trying to say that like either you know my account is not in compliance or or whatever on on facebook mostly on facebook so um there's also been a a giant influx of people getting messages about like oh is this you or did you see who's in this video or or whatever those kind of things and and just people don't click on them please don't click on them you're gonna uh, unfortunately probably compromise something and uh yeah i mean it takes a little bit of digging to see if these things are real or if they're not but a lot of times you're just like oh this came from somebody that i think i know but it doesn't look like anything they would ever send me and the link is to like you know you know, ABCXYZ.net slash your face or something like that. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem like, you know, that's not YouTube. So I'm not going to that or whatever. So it just takes a little bit of looking, you know, or like some of these accounts that, that seem like they might be legit or official accounts are in fact, not, uh, you can go there and it's like, well, there's only like 63 people like this page and it says like you know facebook application notifications or something that's like the name of the page and then you like go to it and it's like what were the last names of this page and it's just like you know the class of 1997 for you know town who cares in like missouri and it's like okay that's weird that somebody like stole a facebook page and then renamed it and is trying to like scam people now from it but Hey, it's a it's a thing. They're out there. I've gotten a lot of notifications for a lot of different pages, and like I said, I've gotten on my personal page lots and lots of messages uh, about that kind of stuff. So just do your due diligence. Like I said, two-factor authentication. Unfortunately, there's no one to like really contact at a lot of these big companies like Facebook and stuff. So the best you're going to be able to do would be to uh, just do a little sleuthing on your own and see if you can figure it out. Otherwise... Um, yeah, I mean, ask somebody, uh, if you trust them, be like, Hey, I got this message, you know, just screenshot it, send it to them. Do you think it looks legit or whatever? And, uh, have somebody else do a little looking for you before you start just clicking on things willy nilly. And, uh, I know there's a few people that, uh, have contacted me that, you know, fell victim to a few of these things. And I, it's, I'm not saying this on the podcast to call you out or to be like, Hey, but, it's just kind of to warn everyone, because I know it's a thing that's going on out there, and we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, how you need to protect your your social medias, because they're basically your, your it's your website, it's your outlet to the world, it's, it's everything now, unfortunately, other than, you know, your music, which is the actual thing you're supposed to be doing, but... That's just, you know, the modern world that we're in. You know, it's almost like the comedians. Like the comedians, well, they do, you know, five minutes a night over here, over there, this, that, and the other. But, like, most of what they have is, like, podcasts and things like that. You know, so there's a lot of those types of things that a lot of these um, are the ancillary things we need to take care of in order to make sure that we have everything being safe. And I think I saw recently that Google, like, mandated two-factor authentication, which it's not hard if you're scared of it just look it up. It's real easy. It's super simple. Like basically what it is, is you log in. And then when you log in, it says, I'm going to send a random number code to this app on your phone and you use it. And only you with your phone, with that app can like view your user code. So you have to like be on, you have to basically be at two devices and authenticate yourself that you're at both of them in order to log into anywhere, which sounds cumbersome, but it takes like a second. So, uh, five extra seconds to log into something just to make sure that everything's super duper safe. Why not? So, um, if you guys are looking for any more of those types of hints and tips and tricks, uh, go back and listen to some of the Mike Schulte episodes. Those are really good ones for things, uh, when talking about that, or maybe perhaps listening to a John Waugh episode from three finger Betty. We discussed three finger Betty's social medias, uh, conundrums we've had over the years. So Uh, it's definitely worth listening to and checking some of those out. So be careful out there. People don't lose your social medias, even if it's your personal social media, you don't want to lose that. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I, um, yeah, we're going to go back into this episode. It's Chris Carr. Uh, he's, this was an interview I said like a two years ago, it's almost two years ago, maybe on the nose. I don't know exactly when the episode was published, but, uh, it's gotta be really, really close to that. Um, which is honestly just super wild that I kind of picked this one at random. Uh, I haven't seen Chris in a few months, so I kind of just have been thinking about him. And I know he's real busy because busy I see him online all the time in the Audible Farm Facebook group where he posts his uh, events. They're on the calendar there. That event calendar is is getting used quite a bit. I see the group is slowly growing. I appreciate everyone that's been in there posting things Uh, like I, you know, I know Chris has been posting a lot in there and I I post a lot in there and also Jared Harp's been posting a lot in there. So thank you guys very much for using that. I see you guys posting a lot. There are also some people from other places in Iowa that are posting in there and I am really, really appreciative of it. So thank you very much for that. This episode, uh, I don't even know exactly what episode it was. 96, I believe might've been the episode number on this originally, but this Is a replay episode from 2020 featuring uh, one of my favorite musicians from around the area. One of the people that got me super interested in playing music. And, uh, you know, it was weird to be like a teenager just being like, this adult guy that plays music is cool. You know, like it's just weird to be that guy. But uh, this was he was the guy. He ran a music shop and and played all over the place and he's got a really fun story i've sat down and talked with him a couple times on the podcast and this is an episode from 2020 in the summertime with chris carr it's the audible farm podcast with your host peter stockdale Hey everybody! I'm sitting down with with Chris Carr today, and uh, we're gonna be talking about you know some of your your new stuff you've been got going on here. Like uh, you got a little studio, you set up a couple cameras, and you're getting everything kind of worked out. You got a really good live stream going on now. Well, thanks.
1: Yeah, uh, I I have to make sure that I thank Bob Minter because he really helped with that. Uh, oh, he helps with the camera work. Uh, and because uh, I, I really didn't, I didn't have any cameras, I had my laptop camera, and I think my first ones were with that. And he said, "Well, I've got a couple cameras." And then he he knew how to run the software OBS, which is a free software,
0: by the way, and that really helped a lot. So uh, all of that is uh, his deal, dude. Okay, so there you go. OBS, he so just let a cat out of the bag. So yeah. if you guys are looking to do anything kind of like this, maybe peek into it because that's oh yeah, maybe. and so.
1: Just to help you if, if in case you're going to do this or if, if you're already doing it or if you've been trying to do this and you're having problems. So I have OBS and that's what I use to get the,
0: the video. Yep. Um, Does that like switch like camera angles and everything on OBS? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think maybe you can record individual cameras. Ah. I, I, I don't know if you can go back and, and mix that or not. Might not be able to do that. You'll have to read. I... I got as far as making sure that it worked, but yeah. I'm not going to sit there and tell anybody that I'm <laughs> an expert on it. So, to, to give you an idea of the rundown, so we have back here, we have a, uh, we have a Soundcraft UI24. And so this is our preamp. Uh, this feeds our audio software, our DAW, which is uh, Presonus, uh, the latest version of Presonus uh, Studio One. Then that goes from there into a middle parties software Uh, it's called voice meter banana (laughs) okay and now there's voice meter and then there's voice meter banana but you need to use voice meter banana otherwise the whole thing will not work Hmm. you cannot that's what you need to get your audio from from, uh, personas or at least in my case Uh, from personas over to OBS and boy I'll tell you what I battled with that for a couple of days because to find information on it uh, that made sense to me was a nightmare.
0: Uh, I can totally see that because like you go to some websites and you're like how does this work it's like oh I didn't know I need a video production degree to figure out how to run this software you know. Well it's great if you're you know if you're a gamer
1: uh, oh, all God. the instructions are there. There's tons of information out there f- with Voice Meter Banana for gaming. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a gamer. Mm-hmm. I'm 59 years old. <laughs> you know? Now, my son's a gamer, but he couldn't even help me. Oh. And, um, <laughs> so I finally got it figured out. And, and, you know, thank God. I mean, but it took forever. Um, but anyway, it works really well. Uh, the thing about Voice Meter Banana is um, it has um, compression in it. Oh, okay. And the compression is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the metering is good. It also has limiting in it, and that's also very good. Um, I don't want to say it was an intuitive software.
0: <laughs> it, for me, it is not. Studio One, yes, that's very intuitive. But I found that with some DAWs, though, uh, like the digital audio workstations. For the most part, if I'm doing just a podcast, it's just like, here's two lines of audio. All you need is a little bit of compression. You're done. You know? Right. I can use GarageBand and get away with it and... and that's what i use you know? right but uh i mean i've done done stuff with like audacity and reaper and and other stuff and they're like way less intuitive but they've got way more features and some of them are better like i've noticed on GarageBand, if you add too much compression it just squishes it oh yeah out. so too much compression is not a good thing depending on the software and what you're using to compress it you know and that's right some of those things are just things i'm finding out because i didn't i don't have a degree in this and i'm I'm kind of like you i'm just taking my free time to learn this you know on my own and and some of it's just test as you go kind of stuff for the for the yeah, podcast but very much so and i'm um, yeah i don't know like uh, i might even try to figure something out like this because last time we recorded you used just an omnidirectional mic and we just sat and it sounded really good and yeah we used uh we used a 249 dollar uh, <laughs> apex tube mic
1: and that worked good now this this new one this is an apex 580 and uh I've gotten a lot of compliments on this particular mic, so much so that I sold one to somebody in Des Moines. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get the product to deliver it to him. So we're waiting. I have four of them on order, Mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to buy another one uh, to have here because
0: it seems to have a nice warm sound. Mm -hmm. And you're you're ordering that through, uh, I mean, like as a dealer through eighth note music. I'm assuming. Yeah, not, not just like going on Amazon and purchasing. No, it, right? no, no. I, I'm a dealer for for Apex. So. Oh, cool. cool. And they, they they make some really
1: great products. And um, this isn't a sales pitch. I'm just I'm just telling you that they do. I don't know what it is that they do that's different, but. Uh, um, seems like most of their products are just really spot on, mm-hmm. so I've been really happy with this mic. There's a, another vocal mic that uh, a number of us are starting to use. Uh, it's a 515. It's also a condenser, but it's a handheld, mm-hmm. and so it's good for stage. But you can, you can use that mic also for studio. It's got three capsules in it. Uh, one's a hypercardioid, a standard cardioid, and then it also has an omni capsule. Ah. So that... That could be pretty handy for some things like what we're doing. Like if you were going to do um, um, podcasting and stuff and you were going to multi-interview people. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like this, this is on Omni right now, mm-hmm. so it picks up everything. Yeah, it's, it's nice that you
0: don't have to hook up six microphones into an interface and drag all your stuff all over the place.
1: And yeah, that's... and that that's thats the other thing too. When we've been doing these podcasts, I, wanted, I didn't want a bunch of equipment in the way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously, you're going to need a mic. So... What was nice uh, was that we were able to be around that mic, and um, I had seen somebody do this before, and it was, um, it was a program, I think it's called West on 54th, and um, uh, it was uh, Steve, Steve Earl was on there, okay, and he had a bunch of bluegrass players, and they were just walking around the mic, and they would blend themselves and move in and move out, and I just thought, wow, that's really cool. Oh, whoa. I would like to do that. And so this mic has been really good for that. That's cool.
0: Yeah. So did you like set up a I know I, I know you've got like you've always had like a computer with something to plug a guitar into to record stuff for yourself. Uh-huh. That's uh that's just kinda that's what you do, you know, you're a musician. Right. But how did was it out of necessity that you started adding video and then streaming on Facebook? I'm assuming it was the fact that you couldn't play gigs that was the big Oh yeah, very much so. So uh,
1: everything started to to die yeah. <laughs> you know everybody's gigs are just dropping like flies yeah. uh, as it's soon a, as the announce evaporated out oh, there I you know I have lost three-quarters of my gigs oh my gosh yeah I had a I had a, a bunch of uh, summer stuff booked it's all gone you yep. because they're not having their town celebrations
0: oh yeah 4th
1: of July is canceled in yep. a lot of places uh, which is very unfortunate and I spotted uh, a streaming page on Facebook, uh, Live Cover Nation. I think. I think yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That got really popular really fast. Big, big time.
1: And um, I can't think of that fellow's name. Uh, starts with an S. Uh, it's over my head. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, what he's done is, is really good. And of course, a bunch of them a bunch of them popped up since. But I was like, oh, this is what I have to do. Yeah. I got to get on this right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'd never streamed anything before, not even with my tablet. Oh, wow. I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have the Facebook app on my tablet oh, wow. <laughs> until this all went down. So I was kind of anti-technology for there for a while there. But so got this all going and i realized this is what we were going to be doing mm-hmm. and my daughter goes dad you need to get a venmo account ah uh, yes i was like what's a venmo account she says well the, you can the people can tip you i'm like really she goes yeah you have to have it i'm going well, i don't know how to set it up she goes i'll set it up for you i'm going okay good <laughs> yeah. she goes and I'm going to charge you 20%. <laughs> <laughs> you raised the so, businesswoman. That's right. So she's my manager now. So, <laughs> so she set up the and, so she set up the Venmo and the PayPal. So yep. she's she's
0: she's killing me. <laughs> you know what's really crazy about that is it's it's kind of fun to watch all the musicians and I'm not trying to say that like, you know, you're not technologically savvy cuz you know how to do so much more stuff than I know how to do, but it's like, you know, you've never really had to use paypal or venmo or anything like that for the most part you know no because really
1: all of that that kind of thing is centered around social media which i didn't grow up with now i have it but i would i would strongly admit that i don't know really how to use it Mm -hmm. and that's a big problem for somebody that's older yeah um I don't know what to do it doesn't it's not intuitive like it is for somebody that's young now my daughter will get on you know she finally got a Facebook page because she wanted to sell stuff Mm -hmm. and so she's on it she doesn't use it very much she only uses it for the selling part of it but she's just zipping around on it like it's nobody's business (laughs) and I'm over here going how how did you do that you know because I don't know Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm learning more I guess you know I'm trying to figure out right now do I put my page do I make a fan page? Do I need to do that?
0: You know. Um, I mean, there's benefits and downfalls to it. So many of the people that want to watch what you're doing are already friends with you, but on the yeah. off, on the off chance someone's not, like, right. it might be easier for them to find you. Plus, it kind of relieves you from the like. I've got since I started the podcast, it every week I get about four or five friend requests, maybe more, and it's a lot of them are from people I don't know. So, they, right, they just sit there, and now I've got like. 300 friend requests sitting there because i don't know any of i don't know who they are you know some of them i only have one person in common with and i don't want to just add all these random people and screw up my feed and not be able to see the stuff that i like to see because i've added all these new people but if you have a page you can just they just follow it and then you don't have to look at any of their stuff it's kind of nice true i mean one thing though when we do these pod or
1: they're not podcasts live streams mm -hmm. um I usually get a few friend requests immediately following them, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and uh, so my friends list has definitely increased. Oh yeah. Um, so I suppose that's a positive thing, but mainly when we go to stream, I will have my wife will be sitting here usually. Uh, she'll run the cameras a lot of times for us. Oh cool. And. So I, I'll tell her, you know, hey, share this. The minute that we're up and running, share it with these different pages. And, of course, they're all live streaming pages mm-hmm. for music. And I think that really helps. Like, this last stream that I did uh, on Sunday is up over, up over 180 or 150 views. Mm-hmm. 850 views. Now... I don't really know all of what that means mm-hmm. exactly, because you have the number when you're streaming of people that are watching you immediately, but then you have all these other numbers. So you really don't, I really
0: don't know how many people are watching at one time. It's tough to decipher all that too, because like you said, if, if you go to like one place, somebody might be watching from a group and then maybe the number doesn't show up on your personal page or like when it says, oh, I've got 800 views, what does that mean? Well, I actually like looked into some of that stuff, and it means that um, 800 people looked at this for at least three seconds. Right. So like they could have like scrolled to it, watched you for three seconds, and scrolled past it. It's like click view. Right. You know, right. And then, I mean, that's so it, what I kind of thought. The numbers aren't always justifiable. Um, the The downside is uh, the analytics on Facebook aren't as good as like a dedicated video software like uh, uh, YouTube's got pretty good ones where you could be like what's the retention rate of this video? So you can see, oh, everybody started at the beginning, and you can start to see how everyone falls off by the end. And it's, right. it's kind of nice. Um, as far as, like, the podcast goes, I noticed that um, if I'm having a good conversation with somebody and then at, like, 30 minutes I just hard shift into gear talk, it loses a lot of people. And I've, I've been able to see that based on the YouTube analytics. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I try and steer clear of it, but uh, that's, I mean... I've always been one to kind of pick your brain a little bit about gear and just kind of talk to you a little bit about what's going on. Some of that comes from you having a guitar shop. And like my whole life, you've been one of those people that's kind of helped me out with stuff or, you know. Well, I've I've always been
1: a gearhead, but I started off on drums. Mm -hmm. And so I was all about that. I had to have the latest thing, you know, drum (laughs) hardware, and it always had to be the best. And I I would save my money. Uh, Either working for my dad at the gas station or I'd be out gigging Mm -hmm. and you know some of my first gigs It was like thirty (laughs) dollars But thirty dollars, you know bought a lot back back then Yep. and so (laughs) We'd get home from the gig in the car and I'd have thirty dollars in my hands And I knew exactly what I was gonna buy with that 30 bucks, Mm -hmm. you know Or whatever I had to save up to get and so it was drum stuff at first and then I realized Uh, that i was going to need to have a pa if i was going to have a band and i was interested in pa gear i just i wanted to hear reverb that's all we had we had a spring reverb in the pa and that's all we had back then
0: Uh, an actual spring reverb then i'm assuming yeah Yeah. Um, oh yeah uh, with the actual spring in it (laughs) And so we'd... uh, That's a great sound when you're driving down the road. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Oh, it's the amp. Okay. (laughs) But I would, you know, I
1: bought the PA gear, and then we had cassette recorders. When I was a kid, uh, I had a Panasonic cassette recorder, portable cassette recorder. And uh, that is how, you know, I'm kind of veering off course here, but this is how... (laughs) Th this was our Napster. Yeah, you know, yeah. we put it by the radio record the song so we could listen to it later mm-hmm. but that That is where the the gear thing started because I was like, okay, cool. I can record my voice So now I started recording My drums on there and then I would play that back and I would add stuff to it. Oh cool Um with two recorders yep. my sister had one and when she wasn't using it, I'd type that thing out of her room you know <laughs> and, and go do sound on sound and then um, and then one thing led to another you know and it was just more recording gear, more PA gear whenever I could afford it. I think my first PA system was four hundred dollars yeah and it was two column speakers and they had four ten inch speakers in each of them. Yep. And then a PV, PA head, and this thing was, this thing was the, it was as wide as a as an oven top, <laughs> and it had six big big knobs about the size of a coffee cup <laughs> on it, you know, and and, and it was so cool because you just it made you feel like you were.
0: You were in control. Yeah. You know. Like you're flying space right, or something. Right. You
1: know, look at me. Look at me. Turn the knobs.
0: I'm so cool. You know. Oh man, I love stuff like that when you first when you're first starting to figure stuff out. Um, the the easiest one to explain is like, oh, this is a guitar. We'll put distortion on it. And just E chord. Like, look at oh, how awesome this is. It sounds so cool. I mean, like you're not really doing too much, but Oh no, but it, it's it's cool. It's it's. Uh,
1: When I started to play electric, God, I was so clumsy, you know, because I was a drummer, one. Two, I had an acoustic guitar, and I was more comfortable with that. And I still, to this day, I'm more comfortable on an acoustic guitar. Um, So when I play electric, I've kind of adopted the Neil Young style of playing, where I just know it's going to be bad. So, you know, I'm going to... I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna power through it. And I think I think what it was, one day, you know, I would just play all pretty and stuff and lightly. And I got frustrated on stage one time and I just started pounding the crap out of it. <laughs> you know, and I think I think that was a turning point for me to play electric because I realized I didn't have to be careful with it anymore. Yeah, yeah, and if and it's an aggressive instrument, so very much. If you're gonna, if you're
0: gonna play it, play it. Yeah, I mean, there is actually something to be said about like blues guitarists are, you know, some of the most like aggressive players, oh, yeah. I would say, because they're really they're really plunking down on the strings and bending the heck out of them and, and doing all sorts of crazy stuff like that just to get tones. I mean, they'll put thicker strings on there, and well, yeah, because the the, the guitars from
1: you know really early on were flat wounds. yeah yeah. and the string gauges were thicker mhm i mean god your acoustic guitars when i was a kid they were 13 gauge <laughs> now know. they're like 10ish or something yeah and so i had friends you know that i had 13s on my on my acoustic cuz i didn't know any better and they were you know making fun of me and telling me oh you've got bridge cables on there <laughs>
0: Uh, I do remember, like, seeing a joke back in the day, and it was something like, Dad, how do I know when I become a man? It's like, when you start playing 10s or higher. And, right. <laughs> and that was, like, the whole, the joke with the old blues guitars, because, like you said, they... So what gauge do you play? Uh, I play 9s or 10s. I've got 9s on some guitars, but um, I prefer 10s. I th- I think they sound better, but, honestly, mm-hmm. is there really that much of an audible difference? I use 10s for awesome. years. For years, I use 10s. Uh, because...
1: I didn't want there to be this huge difference between going from my acoustic, which were 12s Mm -hmm. or 11s, to 10s, but now I'm using a hybrid string. Um, I started to realize that like when I did uh, really fast hammer-ons or trills, that a 9 seemed to bounce a little better for me off my finger, so I'm using a 9 through 46. And I've been really happy with those. I I typically used uh, DR Pure Blues mm-hmm. strings, but I also use the Veritas. Right now, I'm using uh, DR Veritas on my guitars. Uh, as far as the electrics, and then on the acoustics, uh, I used to use um, Dia Dario EXP twelves in the uh, eighty twenty series, but I switched over to DR Veritas. Um, I don't know what it is. I like them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And part of it is they seem to last a little longer and don't cost as much. Yeah. So, you know, even for a guy that owns a music store. You're still worried about cost. Yeah, price is
0: important. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it is. That makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing is like uh, as time progresses, everything in the music field gets a lot I mean, I want to say cheaper, but like less expensive and more efficient. You get a little bit more bang for your buck now than you ever have. I feel like. Does that seem like oh, something for you?
1: I, I think. It's, oh, it's very much true because, uh, well, um, you know, a lot of people will complain about prices and stuff on things like guitars and and whatnot or uh, PA equipment. But you know, you really think about it, we're sit right now. We're sitting in in, in my little uh, seventeen by seventeen. That's the dimensions of this this uh, room and that we call 17 by 17 and it's a full on studio Yeah. and um, there is more outboard in this software than we could actually fit yeah. physically in this room yeah. <laughs> and if you think about how much those pieces of equipment cost so for instance some of the compressors let's say in studio one that are going to that are gonna emulate some of the compressors that you would have seen in a big studio. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can buy um, Studio One, I'm, I'm gonna save for between three dollars and $500. It just depends on what what their special is. Um, but one of those compressors would have cost you $2,000, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Just one, yep. you know? And you can have one on every channel. So I mean, that, that in itself is amazing. Uh, things like digital mixers, you know, I, I just happen to use uh, Soundcraft's UI24. There are just some amazing mixers out there that are digital. And, again, it's the same thing. I have something that's no bigger than uh, five rack spaces and not as deep, uh, as only as deep as a headphone amplifier.
0: Oh, wow. You know. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean yay deep. Instead of, I mean, I've got a power amp, you know, tube power amp. It's almost as deep as it'll get. so it won't fit in some racks. Right, right. And this thing's super light. It's
1: got 20 channels. So so this thing's 1,200 bucks new. If if we would have had if we if they would have had a console like this 30 years ago, you'd be looking at a million (laughs) dollars. Totally, though. Oh, easily. Um, So everything has really come down. Uh, because of the technology that's available, uh, even microphones like the one that we're talking in right now is 250 bucks. Um, it's it's kind of replaced one of my other mics, which is considerably more expensive. Now, like expensive. Yeah, yeah, you can you can buy this other mic that I have, and but it's like a, a grand. Yeah, I mean. you know, and honestly. Um, I think this $249 mic sounds great.
0: I mean, that's just something to say about like you don't have to spend a million bucks to sound like a million bucks. you know?
1: No, I don't I don't think so these days. Um, it really is just what you do with your software and there are, there are certain things that do matter. I mean, stu- really good studio monitors matter. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what something is supposed to sound like, you need good studio monitors. Um, That really helps a lot. It's still okay to check some things with your headphones, but uh, again, you got to make sure you got really good headphones. Yeah, yeah. Those are the things that you don't want to skimp on, Mm -hmm. and and that do cost. Um, But yeah, uh, microphones—it's
0: unbelievable how how just how much all of that stuff has gone down in price. Yeah, I mean that also has something to be said for the fact that I mean we're talking—you could buy some like rack. Compressor or whatever. I mean, you can do that. It's just another piece of hardware. But you've got one digitally in a software that that does the job at just as good. I think it does. Honestly, I I've used some of the
1: the other types of compressors. You know, the rack mount ones and and some of the mic preamps. Mm-hmm. There are some mic preamps though that are in those two thousand dollar models. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about them. They do. They have a certain sound. Yep. They're. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say they're transparent because they are really not to me. Yeah. They have they sound a certain way and it's pleasing to the ear. Mm-hmm. But it's just like a microphone. You pick the microphone that's pleasing to your ear.
0: Yeah. And I mean, roll with that. I mean, for most of my podcasts I use, I mean it's I almost don't want to admit it, but I, I literally use like a $20 Behringer microphone and it's like this oh, is yeah. this is supposed to be like a Shure SM48, which isn't a great microphone but it's it's less than half the price of the shirt oh the 48s i think they were great yeah um that was the first one i ever started using oh oh no sorry about that no that's cool no but i like let me put that on mute i at one point in time um i i saw a video of uh this is the reason you don't share mics at a local bar so like you i was like i don't i really don't care that much but then you see some guy like um I almost don't, I don't even want to say it, but he like threw up into the mic while he was playing, and it was just like, oh, that's going to stay here, and the next band is going to use this yeah. thing, tomorrow they're going to use it. So I was like, I'm starting to bring my mic everywhere now. So I, yeah. I I brought an SM48, so I was like, well, it's not the greatest, but it's also like if it gets bent up or dinged, I'm not gonna be mad that I, you know, brought some high dollar right. mic in here to sing through. So Yeah, karaoke. Yeah. karaoke people go through that. They've got drunks on their mics oh, just and they're just listening into the thing. Ugh.
1: Yeah, my sister does does that has had a karaoke show in Cedar Rapids, I think for about
0: eighteen years and you know, she goes through a ton of microphones. Oof. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can just imagine. A lot of times they look good on the outside until you take them off and pull the sock out of the inside. And you're like, holy cow. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like right now I've, I've been looking at a, <laughs> I've been looking
1: at a couple of the vocal mics that we have. We use Right now we're using for our live shows we're using a, an SM87, uh, just the standard model. Um, and the screens are shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... <laughs> You know, people go, Chris, which, which mic is yours? It's the grossest
0: one. <laughs> you're, you're doing the most. <laughs> if you
1: don't want to touch it, chances are it's mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but at least it's your grossness and not someone right, else's. Right. You
1: know. <laughs> you know, my, oh, gosh. my wife and I were looking at it the other day, and I said, we really got to get new wind
0: screens f- for this particular mic. So that'll be that'll be getting ordered. <laughs> But I mean, that's like super cool. I mean, I think about that a lot of times with, uh, I play more guitar than anything. So like mm. amp modelers 10 years ago when I was playing or, you know, 15 years ago, you get some like Digitech on the floor amp modeling, whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. it sounds all right. It's not to sound bad. I've, I've seen people use them very well and they sound good. I mean, it's, right. really, it's really fun to go watch a touring band. It's like, what are you doing with a Digitech pedal down there? Like, that, this thing is literally just an all-in-one nonsense. And he's like, I only use it for this, this, and this. And if you combine it with these, it sounds good. And it's like, I never would have thought about that. But, oh, yeah. But nowadays, you've got uh, digital processors. I mean, obviously, the expensive ones like Kempers and uh, Fractal Axes. And, yep. But, but almost all of them sound pretty darn good nowadays compared to what they used to. They have a lot more dynamic range than they ever did. and. They, they do. I, th- I think, I think where
1: those things really shine is uh, for live use, uh, especially for church work um, or, or things where you know that everybody's going to be on in-ear monitors. Mm-hmm. And he, it, it really helps the sound guy because he doesn't have to deal with the live content. Yeah. It makes everything tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside, though, even as good as they are, and they are very good, but even as good as they are, for me, um, you lose some connection. You might have the tone, mm-hmm. but you don't have the connection between the volume of your amp and the guitar. Mm-hmm. The, those things aren't locking in. So, like, even in the studio here, I mean, I, for I, I use one of these types of pedals. Uh, when we do our live shows, so yeah. I have no amp on stage. It just comes in my ears. Now sometimes I'll take an amp in certain situations, but it does make it a lot easier. And certainly, it lightens the load on my back to just carry in a briefcase that has my pedal board in it, um, and then you know I can save all the sounds that I need for a particular songs. So yeah. that, that that's awesome, but not being able to have the connection between the guitar and the amp, that does really drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't get... There's certain feedbacks, uh, certain harmonics that I can't really get yep. without actually having the amp in front of me. Um, so when I'm in the studio, I never use that. Yeah, I always use a amp. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then I can doctor that with, you know, pepper it with effects after the after the fact unless it's something like that i really want to hear out of that pedal board mm-hmm. but then i can put it through the amp
0: yeah i'm that totally makes sense I, I get what you're saying because it's kind of like if somebody sent you an email it has all the same content as if they sent you a letter but for some reason the letter has more yeah something it's got that more it's got that touch of love in it that the right. email doesn't have and that's you know that's the difference between analog and digital. Is I I feel digital's so close, but but like you said, I mean, if you're used to crank your guitar up to ten, lean in towards the amp, create a little feedback, and come back. Sometimes the digital one doesn't react the same way an analog no, one it, would.
1: It doesn't. Even even bass guitar. Uh, you know, for instance, the my recording software it has a, it has a amplifier emulation software mm-hmm. for both guitar and bass now, mm. but. It, it's not it really doesn't cut it. there's something missing there. It's not as present mm-hmm. so I don't
0: use that at all yeah, sadly I mean that's I think about that all the time too, because there's so many people that do use those to great success and hooray, I mean it works great and stuff, but mm-hmm. is i don't, I don't know I've never had the i have never had the want or desire to. Fully digitize everything I'm doing and be like, this is gonna sound the best because, literally, what it is is it's a digital representation of a physical thing, and it's you're not actually recreating this thing. You're you're getting as close as you can with this, and I mean, you're you're no stranger to this. And we already talked about this, but like, if you go back ten years and then you look at now, how much better things have gotten, and you know it's only gonna keep getting better and closer to the real thing. Oh, it will. Yeah. So so diving into digital is like a weird thing because it's. It's convenient and it's easy. I'm almost stealing this from Bob Minter because I remember he was talking about this. But digital's easy and convenient, but it's you need other softwares to run certain things, and then sometimes you got to update things, and then you know before too long it's outdated. Or like an amp is always going to be a guitar amp, and if it was good, it's always going to be good. Oh, it's true because uh,
1: long when this software is no more,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they have updated their their section for amplifiers this amp will still be here. It'll still be ready to go. <laughs> and it's still going to sound as good as it ever did. Or if they or if they don't include it in the next generation. Oh, yeah. You know, or stop making the software, it's like, oh, crap. Well, there goes that. But I always have this to lean back on. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, you know, I'll use this amp. I used, I, this amp, um, this started off as a, a Joyo chicken head amp. Hmm. And... It came in defective, so they sent me a new chassis, and I put the new chassis in the amp. And I gave the old chassis to a friend. So, he took that and rebuilt it, recapped it, and put all the things in it that he wanted. Oh! And then he built this cabinet by hand and tweeted it by hand. Oh, no way! Yeah, and and I think he even had this chicken head sticker made, and... So oh he put it together, and then he f- found a concert, uh, a Jensen concert speaker, to put... put in nice. uh, yeah. So it's a 5E3, like a Fender, a Fender Deluxe from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And it, the thing just screams, but I use this amp a lot for tracking, and I track bass through it, too.
0: Oh, no way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I did that was because I'd been reading a bunch of stuff on Carol Kay, that, uh, the bass player... Uh, who's been on more more records than anybody? Mm-hmm. So she she has this technique where she would play through guitar amps because there were really no bass amps at that point. Mm-hmm. And so she would play through like a four ten, mm-hmm. and then eventually they made this amp. Uh, I can't think of what the heck it was called, but it was a twelve inch speaker. In it and I went. Well, I'm going to try this and just see how it sounds. And, and I love how it sounds. Yeah. Um, the other thing too with with her bass, she puts a, a piece of. You can see it on this bass over here. She puts a piece of tape on the bridge. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. Now I always see people like some bass players and some guitar players. They have the uh, that uh, I don't even know what it's called, but like a velcro piece that goes around the neck yeah. up on top where the where the uh, nut is yep and so that I'm guessing that helps with uh, some deadening you know to keep loose strings from going but one thing it does Carol Kay's version which is down on the bridge uh, because there's a piece of felt underneath the piece of tape Mm -hmm. and what that does it gets rid of harmonics that you don't want so when you go down for an F there's a harmonic there Mm -hmm. and it's really irritating to listen to and you don't even realize that you're hearing it until you put that piece of felt there. Ah. And then it disappears and you pull it back off and you go, oh my God, that's <laughs> way different. So you put it back on. Mm-hmm. And, but you only put it on, you don't want to kill the sustain. You just want to get rid of that harmonic. And so it makes that F ring
0: more true. I saw somebody do that once at a live show and they did it from the bottom up. They put something un- yeah. underneath on the, like the inside of the bridge, so yeah. it came from the bottom up to dead and everything. And I remember just looking at this guy like, "What are you doing? Like this this is gonna totally ruin your guitar sound." And it didn't, you know. And no kudos to him for figuring it out. So that's that's pretty crazy. I never would have thought of anything like that.
1: Well, know. I had I had neither. I mean, I'd seen that kind of thing on uh, Rickenbacker basses. They have a, a little device that you push, and it comes oh. up on some of those uh, Gibson EBO. Okay. They had one. All right. And I think they only had that on for a year, and it
0: irritated the players, so they stopped putting it on there. <laughs> it's kind of like putting that sock over the nut, you know. I would, I would assume that that would get in the way, you know, sometimes putting the little string deadeners on the end of the guitar. but
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. They they seem to really like it. I don't know if I notice the difference when they're playing, but if they do, that's that's what counts.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... That's also one of those things, like, uh, there's no wrong way to eat the Reese's that is music, you know? No. That's so many times it's just like, well, will this work? And you try it, it's like, well, this worked. I mean, let's just do it. And like, did it sound good? Yeah, it sounded good. Like, nobody's ever done it before, it's not the way you're supposed to do it, but it still sounds good, you know? Yeah. So are you recording? Are you... I don't do any recording no. of, of bands or anything. I record some of my own material, but mm-hmm. uh, if I have to be honest, I'm, I'm so, like recluse by my own abilities that I just toss everything in the garbage when I'm done. Oh, it's that's like, not good. No, it's not. It's really not. But it's uh, I just abandon every project I start because it's just like... And I hate to say it, like, I do so many interviews with so many people that are so much better than me. Different, but better, you know? And, yeah. and it's just like, dude, these people are killers. I can't compare to these guys, you know? But you got to start somewhere, and that's the worst part is I'm, I'm always going back to square one and never getting any farther. Uh, you know, <laughs> my, my attitude has always been always hang out with people that are way better
1: than you because uh, you'll learn so much and eventually you'll be one of those people Ooh, yeah. that other people want to hang out with. You know, uh, Hanging out with better players will make you a better player. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because you will always want to be trying to impress your peers or, or those people uh, that you may look
0: up to as far as players. It creates like a weird sort of like friendly competition in a sense.
1: Yeah. You want, well, it's it's, when you're young, you just want to be noticed by them. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you're not going to be able to take them. Mm -hmm. You you just want them to notice that you're trying, you
0: know. (laughs) I recall that being a youngster and first learning guitar. You know, you get your first Squire guitar out of the box, the box set with the amp and everything. You're like, I'm going to play guitar. And I remember going to a, a jam night. Uh, I believe you were there. It would have been up at um, Spanky's. If I if oh I god, probably. that's a long time. Yeah, we're go. talking like fifteen plus years ago, and something like that. And so, so I went up to I went up to the jam nights there, and I remember. And I, I, I almost don't want to admit any of this either, but I remember just being like these old guys like well, oh let, yeah let, yeah bring it whatever I I play punk music I can, I can I've play, been through that yeah and and so then you watch them and you're just like holy cow <laughs> like yeah. it's almost just it's like your mind is blown by it all you it's like getting punched and somebody had just turned your head completely around in a 360 and you oh, just, yeah. just stopped it like what is going on these guys are so good you know and uh, I mean that's just one of those things I got introduced to stuff like that. Um, uh, believe it or not, uh, Bob Johnson used to bring me to jam nights every now and then. Yeah, just Bob. Know, just to be like, hey, come to a jam night, you know, and I was like, "Oh, uh, okay, and then you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna enjoy this because nobody's gonna play anything but that I know, but right. a, lot, a lot of times people did play stuff I knew, and I mean, that was how I ran into, like, Eric Nelson for the first time. Yeah, and, Eric, like, yeah. Know, uh, listening to him play old Hold for Swank songs at a yep. jam night, it's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those things. I, I, I've always been like really unsure of my abilities. And about like three or four years ago, I, I had a lot of free time. So I sat down and was like, I'm going to figure out how to play and be competent while doing it. Instead of just kind of guessing your way through it. Yeah. And uh, I got good enough to go to jam nights and things like that. And that's one of those things when you realize, like, oh, I can stand next to you know Jeremy Ober and Scott Dahl and Brad Hoefing and, and whoever else and just be like, I actually fit in here, you know? And beforehand, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I fit in with these people. They're so uh, good. Yeah, you do. Know? I mean, I, I saw you over at uh, Rock and Picnic when you and Jeff,
1: oh, you yeah. guys formed that band. Um, what was that band called? The Stockyard. The Stockyard, yeah yeah and that was good that mm-hmm. was good and then you know jeff really appreciated that because being left-handed a left-handed drummer you never gets to play
0: oh and yeah, the jam
1: yeah. because it's it, <laughs> i never thought of that yeah yeah so he was excited about that i mean really excited and uh you know we set out in the audience and watched you guys so you you did fine i mean it was a good little band i thought it i thought it went great
0: yeah I, I like i said i had tons of fun playing and stuff like that and i I'd like to go to jam nights and play more, but uh, sometimes I feel like my musical content might not fit in there because I'm a little bit harder mm-hmm. of a player. Uh, I don't play blues quite as much, but, like, everything kind of fits in, but you also got to think, like, nobody's going to know how to play, you know, uh, Just Got Paid by ZZ Top. It's not very, like, right. it doesn't lend itself to a jam night as well as other songs. Yeah, know? maybe not. You know,
1: um, you know, the jam jams that I used to go to when I was young, we didn't, we didn't really... When we got together to jam, we didn't play covers. Mm-hmm. We just played stuff. We just started making music, mm-hmm. and you know somebody would call out chords or a progression, and then we and we would just go around with that and just kind of invent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, the jams that I grew up with are, are a lot different now. The acoustic thing that I did when I was at Spanky's, you know, or oh, um uh, okay. uh,
0: Uh, Well, it used to be what? Betsy's Betsy's Blue Blue Note. Note, Yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) You're like pulling me back into like my childhood. Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: Now that was, you know, people would come up and... and I I would want them to come up and do a few songs, you know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care if it was original material or cover material. Um, That kind of thing helps people that haven't done it before. They're not pressured so hard to... To have to have lots of material.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They, yeah. can, they can come up there and just do one song. Yep. Because it's it is first time you step up there. I don't care what the jam situation is. You're you're you want to be involved with music with other people. That's why you go to that. Yeah. And you want to impress people as best you can. So you work pretty hard uh, on whatever instrument that you're that you're playing. You work pretty hard on it. You might not think that that you're cutting it but just just doing it um and getting up there that takes a lot of nerve <laughs> yeah. you know it does the first time you do it you're just shaking yeah i mean you're just doing all you can to get through that song
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and you know that you're gonna miss a ton of notes and i remember <laughs> the first time i did it oh god i was shaking so bad <laughs> I, could, I could barely keep my fingers on the guitar i mean it was awful i was just sweating bullets
0: I, I love thinking about that stuff, because I even still, to some extent, get nervous before I play, I mean, like I play in a punk band, and it's like, well, everything's, you know, there's like six chords tops in this song, it's like three minutes long, nothing's ridiculously complex, so it's all easy, quote right. unquote, but I still some, for some reason, get like a little, I still get a little bit of those nerves, I don't know if I'll call it nerves, but it's like, I don't know if it's just anxious or what it is, but... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, is that something you still get to this day, or does it like, de- die down a little bit? Or
1: I don't get nervous <laughs> too often. Once in a great while. Um, uh, I'll, I'll get nervous if I'm doing an, a song that I'm not comfortable with. Ooh, yeah. Uh, or I've just learned. And uh, because... It, 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 to me, it's really important to present that song well. And I don't want to screw it up, but um, the live streaming thing—that's a whole nother thing. It's a different beast altogether. Now you wouldn't think you'd be nervous because you're just by yourself. You're sitting here in this room. Mm-hmm. But that camera's on, and I think I think the difference is when when you're at a jam and you totally screw up. Mm-hmm. That happened there. Yep. Everybody's gonna forget about it, yep. unless somebody was, you know, vi- you know, videotaping with their phone for that YouTube viral moment where you <laughs> where you really screwed up. I
0: caught Chris Carr screwing up yeah, once yeah. in a nine-year event. Right, Check right. Yeah, <laughs> that's an every, <laughs> an every night event. <laughs> but um,
1: you get you get on video here. You do your live stream, and you have so many people watching you and you're not really aware of exactly who's watching you mm-hmm. for that length of time. It could be somebody brand new that's never seen you before. Ooh, yeah. And you're going, God, I hope I don't screw this up. So you kind of get nervous. Yeah. And I, I was. I was a little bit nervous the first, first at least the first one, if not the first two that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but after a while I got used to it. i I just developed the the train of thought was I'm I'm sitting here looking at these cameras and then I would look at each camera when Bob got them Mm -hmm. and I would just go oh I'm gonna wave to somebody over there Mm -hmm. you know I'm just gonna pretend that the audience that I see all the people that I know Mm -hmm. and um, so I would just look at each camera and say how's it going no don't get up don't get up. It's not time to go pee yet. You know that,
0: that kind of thing. You still interact with them like everybody's still there. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I think I think it makes them more comfortable. Hopefully, it keeps them watching and keeps things things interesting. That's the worst. It's like you don't want too much dead air time. Mm-hmm. Just just like on stage, you don't want to be standing there for. Yeah over a minute with, with nothing to say yep that makes sense they would rather hear you say ah. yeah or like yep or
0: some other <laughs> word repeatedly maybe what you need to do is like behind the camera set up like a crowd so it looks like you're playing at like woodstock or something you know <laughs> like so then you're just like hi everybody it looks like there's a big crowd behind right. the cameras yeah it would be handy if zoom could provide something like that <laughs>
1: that that's pretty cool i i ended up on a zoom program a, a teacher a local a local gal uh, invited me f- to uh, uh, be interviewed in front of her students, and then for her students to ask questions. There's this one kid, and he had. A pa- I didn't know that you could do backgrounds, so I was like, "What in the heck?" You know, there's all these dinosaurs in the back running around. <laughs> well, he's wearing a dinosaur hat, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't. I don't know what was causing it, but he had. There was a pair of eyes on top of the dinosaur hat. And they would they would, they would would come in,
0: and then they would disappear. <laughs> and then pop up and disappear. And yeah. It's like, wow, that's really weird. Yeah, it's that partial facial recognition software that they use. I mean, I've I've done it very little bit with uh, Skype and Zoom. You know, you can do it with both of them. And it's, you don't even need a green screen, but it's kind of guessing based on, like, this is, like, a body shape and a head shape. And if you've got, like, a big hat on, sometimes it'll... Yeah, green screen it out. Sometimes it comes back in, like you said. But I mean, that's that's another thing that's pretty crazy is the fact that there's so much like video conferencing and things like that going on, and it's it's almost like hard I feel to not get lost in the jumble with some of that stuff. Like if you're going, to, this is the only reason I haven't done video conferencing for the podcast because it just. Yeah, it's, it's hard to differentiate yourself from the pack if that's the only thing that's on. It to is. I, I think I think that's true. Um,
1: otherwise, it just looks like everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. Um, that I I'm sure like gamers go through that same thing. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, what is it, Unilad or whatever, uh, or Mini Lad or something out there who's a big gamer? My son always talks about this guy. You know, and everybody's copying his, his YouTube mm-hmm. channel like crazy yeah you know so they're start to look like his um you know as far as how you present yourself on on these things it's anybody's yes it's what works
0: for you yeah I you mean, want to be in like a smoking robe in a leather chair with a pipe like, <laughs> right, like right. How, how cool do you want to make yourself look or are you just sitting in front of a laptop camera or what's
1: going on but. right and the technology is cool i mean i mean i've got these cameras and and, and things and the, the recording software, something more than somebody else has. But what really counts is just your performance. Yeah, are you going to be able to keep them busy or, or engaged? And that that's what that's what really matters. I, I saw a gal, what was her name? Smokestack Betty, on one of these streams, mm-hmm. and. Um, she plays a 12 string guitar she's an older gal and my god she knows so many songs mm-hmm. it's unbelievable and she just sits there and casually plays it's nothing fancy she's apparently just got her phone mounted mm-hmm. and she's just sitting I'm guessing in a living room and just pounding out songs and people just love her yeah you know
0: I mean well, that's the other thing is you don't it comes back to you don't always need all the you don't need a a nice mic. You don't need a different camera other than the one that's not on your phone. You don't need any of that stuff really. No, you just I need mean,
1: yourself. You just have to be confident enough to sit here and then talk to your audience just like you and I are sitting across from this
0: table talking to each other. Yeah. I mean it's it's a weird disconnect. I took a a public speaking course online. <laughs> And this, this was the rules for the public speaking course. You had to be in a room with all the doors and windows closed. Okay. You had to videotape the entire room to show that nobody was in it. You had to videotape the ceiling and floor to show that you were going to cheat by looking at notes somewhere. Oh, really? And then you videotape yourself for public speaking in an empty room with nobody else around to nobody. And you would record it on a camera. And this was the public speaking course that I took that I paid money for out of college.
1: Right. That you could have sat and just did that yourself. Bingo. Yeah. You know, and it's
0: like, this... I like, I, I failed to realize, like, why is this important? This, this has no public speaking because, believe it or not, I, I don't, I, public speaking doesn't make me nervous. I can stand up in front of people and talk all day. Some people get so queasy and nervous just to talk to people, but I can talk forever for no reason, and it's, it's I'm okay with it. But for some reason, like you said, when it's just you and a camera, you're like, this is getting recorded. Somebody else is going to have this. They can play it anywhere, anytime they want to. They can put it on a big screen and play it to any, you know. So you get a little, like, nervous, but I, I asked, like, what's the point of this? And they actually said that uh, a lot of interviews will be that way now, because they don't want to fly people halfway across the country to do an interview. So they're like, here's the stock list of 20 questions we're going to ask you at the interview. Answer them on a video. And that's how a lot so of... So they should... can edit it uh, after the fact? Maybe, maybe not. Like, my class, we couldn't use edited material. So you oh. had, it had to be straight, one shot, no edits. and. Um, oh, Wow. Um, for anybody that's going to take that class, uh, if, if you end up taking something like that and they want your manuscript, just write your manuscript after you talk and then it matches perfectly and you get all A's. But that's. Right. Maybe yeah, I shouldn't say that, but anyways. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's like I just think about that stuff when it comes down to like recording yourself with video and things like that. That's another reason I haven't done the podcast because it's like now I got to make sure I don't have any buggers. You know, is my right. Hair cut right? You know, right. I don't have a makeup. Oh, gal. that's
1: that's the thing. You know, like I walk in here and I'm finally. You know, I'm just in a t-shirt, my hat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because the lighting isn't perfect. You know, this this is I've done. I've done what I can with the tools that I have. And you've done very well, well with it, Hon- you, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the, the first one's really rough, but that, that was an issue over uh, internet speed,
0: uh, a bad, a bad uh, ethernet cable. I think I remember seeing something about that online, you said like maybe there was like a squirrel that at one point in time had chewed on a line or something. That, that
1: and... had happened, so our cable line had <laughs> been chewed by a squirrel. We had a damaged Ethernet cable. Oof. Yeah, everything. Um, Down the tubes. And then in all of this info, we had talked about this earlier, in all of this info about looking at OBS and trying to figure out how to run all of this stuff together, nobody, nobody in anything said, hey, you should probably delay, turn on the delay. Mm -hmm. A few seconds of delay. So... I turned it on to thirty seconds of delay. I wanted to make sure. I mm-hmm. thought we'll do a test. Boom! That's all it took. It just that's <laughs> all it took to make the stream run smooth with all of with all, all of this video cut out. That's awesome. You know, um, now we're running at fifteen, but I've thought about going back to thirty. It ran so smooth that way. Mm-hmm. I only notice a couple glitches now and then. I kind of wonder if if I ran it at thirty, if the video wouldn't be clearer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, have enough time to process that. Just like when you're watching your Netflix, if your internet's not working quite great, you'll yeah. see the pictures start to degrade. Yep, audio, audio drop and
0: things. Oh like that. yeah, that's been a, a new thing with Netflix. I've noticed a handful of people have been complaining about. Oh, ran, audio random is audio horrible. Drops. It just. And I like literally every video I watch. Every time it happens, is, I do the I hit the complain button because it's just like somebody needs to fix this or else nobody's getting my. You have a my, complain button. There's a complain button on there. You can be like, what? well, I'm i might like through Apple an Apple Puck.
1: Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: there's like a little question mark thing that's one of the... It's not like the play or the fast forward or reverse, but there's like a question mark. i it's like to to look for that. And it's like, is there an issue? And you can be like, yeah, the sound's not good. And you just be like, there's a blip every two minutes. And if, if it happens, I always complain. Because it's like, someone's got to fix this or else I'm not paying your money for it, you know? Yeah, it's... Uh, You're you supposed know. to be like the highest service that can be provided. You know, this it's bad when you have on. to turn your closed caption on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's a new trick everyone's been doing, too, though, is the... The closed caption is always on on everyone's Netflix. It seems like now. And I oh, I had to. We we watched
1: Peaky Blinders, and mm. I was like, I can't follow this dialogue. I got to turn that on. I want to know what that guy says. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because the the accents were so heavy
0: in that. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Great show. though. Uh, oh man. But so, uh, yeah, you've got to be creating quite a bit of content, I guess. Uh, I mean, you've got all these videos. They're all available on your Facebook page right. or on your personal account, I guess it would be. Yeah. Because you, you don't have a personal page for your music other than the Chris Carr Band page, right? Right,
1: right. I, I, hadn't th- I hadn't thought that far. Honestly, this all took place, and now I'm thinking about all of that stuff. You know, I, I thought about starting a fan page. thought about starting a 17 by 17 page, but I kind of got to watch what I'm doing. Um, I have to be careful of the content that I have coming in, mm-hmm. and I figure, too, and I'm hoping that this is this is more temporary yes. than permanent. But right now it's run longer because of the coronavirus issue and and everything. <laughs> this has run much longer than I anticipated. I thought we'd I thought we'd be down a month, yeah, and then slowly be coming three months back. now? But then when that didn't happen, I told somebody. I said, "We're gonna this the summer's over." Mm-hmm. I can just tell right now, and, and that's where we are. So um, I don't have anybody booked in here yet. I got to see how that's going to go. Now, we've had other people besides myself and Jeff Blummel. Yep. Uh, the cosmic brownies. Yes. We've, we had Clint in here. We had Clint and uh, um, the the, the um, Blue Ribbon Blue Ramblers. Blue I always want to say Wright County Ramblers. That's well. Uh, Blue. Yes, that I makes know. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, That's him. <laughs> the Blue Ribbon Ramblers, and then we had uh, Brutal Republic in here. Oh, cool. And um, I would actually like to have those guys back in here. Clint did a great job. You know, his video. He was very entertaining. Did a great job. Um, Jeremy always does a great job. I did a, I did a, he and I did a duo here. Um, we had a lot of people view that, mm-hmm. um, and I've had a lot of compliments on that particular one. Um, and of course, Brutal Republic was here. And thank, thank, you know, Bob for lending me these cameras. Bob Minter from co- God, Shameless Plug Code Zero Radio here. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have to say that. I hope that was okay. I love him. Um, yeah, you gotta love Bob. I mean, he's just so—he just loves music. He just wants yes. to do it. And yes. uh, I wish—I wish we could just give him that, you know. Yep. Uh, but he was so kind to let me use these cameras. And what's cool is we—this this one camera is off like a drone. So it's got a wine. Yeah, it's a, and it's a cheap drone, hundred thirty nine dollar drone. So so got this thing hooked up, and I I have it. I I take it off the mount and on the brutal republic performance I'm running the camera all up and down and flying it around mm-hmm. trying to give it that kind of cool look and we put some lighting in here so it was kind of psychedelic nice but um and people like that the, the only downside to that whole particular performance we had a cable go bad on the base on the base or the the DI for the bass, and I was so bummed. And it took me forever to figure out what was going on there. Mm-hmm. We thought we were just overloading uh, the audio because mm-hmm. I had it pumped up pretty good, but uh, it turned out there was a wire broke.
0: No, that's the worst. So,
1: and it was just intermittent. Oh no! And so it's just making this little scratch. That's a
0: wiggled just the right way I would do it. Yeah,
1: no, no, it wasn't even his guitar cable. It was just in the back of the amp, and oh, so just the vibrations alone. Oh man! So what a nightmare. Anyway, so it's I'd really like to have well. them back in and get a, another performance. The other thing too that's been kind of cool about doing this, and I will say this, is that um, now, like for instance, Brutal Republic and Wright County or. Blue Ribbon Ramblers now have some video content mm-hmm. um, out of here that actually looks pretty decent mm-hmm. and sounds pretty decent. Yep. So they'll be able to use that as a selling tool. And it'll, it'll probably help them get more gigs. Yep. Um, and, of course, Clint's been doing videos, which uh, he, whoever's doing that is doing it. Is that you doing that? Is maybe, that you? Maybe. Yeah. I, I may- think I heard I was trying to figure it out because I was talking to somebody about it. You're doing that.
0: That was good. It was good work. <laughs> I made a music video for him uh the cool part about that was we recorded in like four hours we just picked a handful of settings and recorded a bunch of different angles and yeah yeah uh, i just smushed them all together and a wham music video yeah
1: no you did a great job well you had good a good good subject matter always helps too Mm -hmm. you know it's all about what what you're aiming the camera on too
0: the secret about that was i wanted to get it done by mother's day and we were about a week late, unfortunately. Oh. We, we, we couldn't hammer out a time to sit down and record stuff, or we, we wanted to record outside, but it's raining. You can't really record in the rain, you know. And it was crazy that we picked a perfect day. There was just a little bit of cloud cover when he hits his like last verse, and it, obviously the song's about his mom. Yeah. He, he hits the last verse and the clouds part, and the sun starts shining on him. And it's oh wow. completely natural by accident, ha- happenstance, hundred percent. So you gotta but, like that. Yeah, I mean, like I, I was just. I had multiple cameras. I was always just recording them, and ironically, I'm just using a phone camera. They're they're good enough now that you can they oh, yeah they're passable. So yeah, I was using a phone camera, and I mean, he was just dinking around, and I recorded all of his outtakes, and one of them sounded so good without with just the raw audio. Was, oh yeah, and I was like, oh, this sounds good enough like to the phone upload. Phone cameras are better than what. What I'm using right Uh, here, probably. uh, Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I'm I'm trying to relate to so many people. Like everyone, if you have four people in a band, you got four people with awesome cell phones. Usually. Yeah. Just Just put them on a tripod and record them. Then all you got the only worry is you've got to have some way to get good. You have to have an editor
1: and. Yeah. Yeah. The audio is the big one. Mm -hmm. And that that seems to be a big thing with all of the live streaming that i see going on now, i have a buddy out in california and he constantly uh, messages me about the performance and he says you're let you know everything you're doing he says your audio is just killer compared to everybody else's and i don't really know why that would be but um because so many people have access that that know a lot more about this than i do mm-hmm. um you know some there was a couple people compared this to daryl's house well <laughs> <laughs> this is daryl's Daryl's closet maybe but, <laughs> you know, but, but they've been happy with it and that's that's really all I care um, if it'll um, the, main, the main thing that I didn't really realize at first you know I was just trying to have something to do yeah. when this all went down but there are many people at home uh, they can't get out um, mm-hmm. People with huge health issues that I didn't know about. There were people that would watch me but, but couldn't because they can't travel. They can't travel. So um, I said uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm just going to keep doing this. I don't know how often mm-hmm. um, you know once a week, yeah, um, at least, probably, just just hop on, even if it's only for a half hour.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could pick a half an hour on a Tuesday evening and be like, Let's,
1: "Yeah, you know. just it gives gives them something to do, mm-hmm. um, and and also uh, some social interaction because when we're doing this, unlike a recorded performance, they can write to us, and it might only, you know it might be fifteen to thirty seconds." delay time but still we're we're able to answer them back
0: and
1: and, uh so i think that's helped a lot we've had some people write us and and basically say that so we'll continue to do that i i i think mostly though that it's interesting to watch for me how other people get it done Mm -hmm. Um, i watched this guy up in alaska i'm trying to remember his name and he he does looping he's got an ukulele and a rubber string bass keyboards and you know he'll he'll beatbox and get a loop going Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh on one particular video they were just talking about pickles started talking about pickles all of a sudden there's pickles he's got pickle pickles up in behind him he's got like a green screen going (laughs) You know And uh, look at that beautiful pickle footage <laughs> And he's got this You know this really trippy Funk music going on And he's singing about pickles <laughs> I want to put them in my mouth You know Oh my god And uh, he, was, he was great I watched his, his deal um, And then there's some other people out there There's a couple gals from uh, Minneapolis area And I can't think of their name I have a buddy that that uh, loves to watch them, and he he's uh, a person that has to stay in his house. Um, but he watches them, and they they have these nice harmonies. They both play guitar, and they tour, you know, worldwide. Mm-hmm. But they're just a couple gals that play acoustic music from uh, Minnesota. And I think they have some originals, but they I think they mainly play covers. Yep. Um, and so they are just doing it with. A phone cam mm-hmm. but I think they've got something now to plug into their phone mm-hmm. that interfaces with a, an audio interface yeah. so they, I
0: can, they can use a little better mic Yep. Yeah. Um, I talked recently with uh, Trevor Treiber from oh yeah I, lo- I love that guy dude I went and watched one of his recent He's Junk, re- really talented. James. He is. Yeah, very talented That's guy. Almost offensively talented. Yeah, like, you're not supposed to be able to be this good, dude. Like, save some for the rest of us, you know? But. Yeah, yeah. No, I wrote him. I wrote him. I, pl- I played a gig with him uh,
1: uh, uh, with the Surf Zombies, or no, it was the, fl- the Camaros, the Flaming Camaros, uh, with Brooke Hoover and stuff. But uh, but yeah, he's he's very talented. Anyway, I, I wrote him because I listened to your interview uh, with him, and he was. He said that he didn't feel that he'd be a good frontman, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I don't know how like, that you're could an be. awesome front man. Yeah. I mean, you're doing, you're you're already doing it.
0: Yeah, you're doing, already doing it. Doing it every Sunday with junk food jam, already. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and what was that that song? Because you were talking about that song, uh, where he's talking about the music industry, about being a punk rock show, mm-hmm. uh, you know. The there was just those were great lyrics and that was a funny song.
0: Yeah, it was just so well done.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I shared that. I shared the crap out of that. He, I just thought it was awesome.
0: Yeah, and he, I mean, he had the ability to tiptoe the line without being offensive towards one way or the other. You know? Oh it's yeah. Like, it pretty much just came down to I'm tired of making pennies. I'd rather just sell out and make some money at this point. You know. And, and it, he's right though. It, I mean, <laughs> that's exactly how it
1: is. Then it it is it is. You know, back back then I wanted to play rock. You know, when I was young, and you couldn't make any money playing rock, you had to play country if you wanted to play mo- if you
0: wanted to make money. Mm-hmm. It was just a fact. Yep. I mean, that's not much different than now. I mean, playing original music doesn't get you as far as playing covers usually, especially if you're like playing in bars and things. But...
1: No, you you almost have to like what we do. We have a little bit of both, mm-hmm. uh, so we we kind of gonna sneak it in there
0: <laughs> the best part is when you it's, sneak it in there and they it, don't know and nobody will know because yeah. it's like oh this is just as good as the last song yeah so. and if, if you're doing
1: that and you're doing all right but yeah no it, it's definitely tougher it, it's it's a lot tougher doing original music there's no no doubt about it and and it shouldn't be that tough mm-hmm. uh, that should be just really a, a wide open area and i I would encourage uh, venues to embrace that as much as possible. Yeah, I think that's where
0: we're headed. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on location and the audience that's usually there. Oh, Santa's, certainly. So
1: you're gonna you're gonna see more of it in in larger cities, of
0: course. Mm-hmm. Um like des moines or minneapolis oh yeah you I mean, could stand anywhere in des moines and throw a rock and go find live oh yeah. Music. Yeah. yeah almost oversaturated at this point but
1: probably probably is now. and it's funny because i've never played in des moines yeah it's, i mean well
0: that's the it's not
1: not every town's for every
0: person you know and it's, no
1: it's like, it's always tougher to get into the larger towns because the, the there's definitely a um, a select group mm-hmm. it was tough like, when I lived up in the Twin Cities, it was tough to get into that market, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I I ended up in an original band, so I was in the same boat everybody else was. We yep. were just getting whatever gig we could get, mm-hmm. you know, playing coffee shops and stuff, too. And um, I think we have got to play one bar where they paid us, you know, like, actually just paid us decent money. Mm-hmm. But the rest was just all... Uh, they might give us 50 bucks and some tip yeah. money you know
0: yeah, yeah yeah that's that's always the toughest though it, it seems like slightly disheartening to put all that energy and work and stuff to go to a bar and get paid 20 30 40 bucks by a bar and just be like thanks for playing a half an hour here's some money but oh yeah well I think I think
1: if you were in a decent you know band that was that was working pretty regular up in the Twin Cities yeah, if you were a player you'd make like 70 bucks a night. Yeah, back back you know, then. yeah so. and and 15 years ago mm-hmm. um, and so I decided when I lived up there I decided I would be a sound guy because that paid $200
0: Oh, oh, yeah, but then you got to you got to be there the whole night and make everyone sound good. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of pressure involved. It is. I'd it love is. to say being a sound guy is easy. It is not. Oh no, it's not easy. No, that's that's a private hell. <laughs> you're dying on an island oh, by yeah, yourself. Oh yeah, you know, especially if you're
1: bumming somebody out, they're just not getting the sound that they want, and I mean, it's going to happen. I don't care how good you are at it. You you cannot please everybody a hundred percent all the time. It's it. Not only that, but but back then, the equipment really still wasn't as good. 15 years ago, just as little as yeah. 15 years ago, the minute that we came out with these digital consoles, that really changed everything a lot. We just had so much more control, and now with um, things being so visual, we can use a, a GUI um, and and just... Put your finger on there and and eq something with your finger you don't have to sit there and go oh what frequency is this yeah you have an rta that you can pop up and you can you can see it right there and and know what you're grabbing and Mm -hmm. know what to get rid of that might be an offensive frequency
0: um i mean and then you can save it yes oh that's the coolest thing about those is like i got this mixed for us at Venue X, and you just uh, save this as Venue Called X, up, yeah. and then the next time you show up there, you're like, this worked last time, and then you just tweak it a little bit based on slight differences oh, that are going and on. It's exactly like that. So, how how we do it, um, or how I do it,
1: I have a base setting um, in my mixer for, let's say, my acoustic show or the band show. Mm-hmm. And I just recall that um and then when I get into that venue, um, I'll do tests with microphones, um, with my guitar. I'll run through frequencies. Mainly it's going to be in the low low frequencies. I'm going to find those and get rid of those so that I don't have feedback out of my acoustic. Yep, yep.
0: Whoa, yeah,
1: like... so that there's hot <laughs> notes. And then uh, same, it's kind of the same thing for the vocal. When you get up into the highs... You're gonna notch a couple things out. It's
0: it kind of brittle or um, yeah, piercing in certain areas. Yeah, you're just
1: trying to get that. You're trying to get that out of there. And then, really, the only thing that that band-wise that we have to do because uh, the drums are going to change. E- even if our drummer doesn't bring a different kit, um, the acoustics of the room are going to change some.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're going to have to make some adjustments in the drums a little bit probably Mm -hmm. Um, just to make sure that they sound right the guitars and the vocals we don't really ever have to mess with once we
0: have that main eq set so what you're telling me is scott needs to junk his drum kits and just go completely digital
1: yeah yeah (laughs) can you hear that can you hear that coco bear (laughs) that's
0: that's a wild thing though i feel like drums Digitally are so much better than they used to be, but I still don't think they're anywhere near any other instrument that's been digitized. Like guitar, modeling amps sound so much better than a digital drum set, even still. Is it because it's so nuanced or tough to get those proper notes out of a drum set? or?
1: I think... Um, okay, so I should set this up. I'm a drummer. Okay, there that's we go. That's my first instrument. So I'm definitely... A little biased, probably, Mm -hmm. about that. There are things that you can do with a snare drum. Just with a snare drum, so many things that the electronic kits simply can't cover that. Yeah. It's not possible. That's just too much information, and it doesn't make sense to try to put that information in there right now
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: the electronic drums themselves though what i notice more so is that they're hyped so hard like you can tell that they put a they put some type of subharmonic mm-hmm. frequency on the kick drum Okay. To really beef it up. Yep. Um, where it's just too intense. It's not, it doesn't sound like a real kick drum. That's just like speed metal. That's not a real kick drum on there. Yeah. That's with, not with possible.
0: The, with the triggers on it? Yeah,
1: I up. mean, because the beater the beater isn't going to touch the head long enough with that to create enough impact. There's no way. Mm-hmm. No way you'd be able to make that kick drum loud enough with mm-hmm. that kind of speed so you're going to have to trigger it. And that's that's what I noticed. Like the snares don't sound natural to me. Yeah, I feel like a lot of like the ghost notes and things
0: like that yeah. just they just won't come out of it because
1: No, no. And you can't do little things. You can't you can't adjust the snare strainer to be either loose or oh, super tight. Yeah, depending on what you want that thing to sound like. You can't just instantly grab like like on my snare, I can put a, Um, One of these tone rings like an e-ring on there or let's say that you put a drum drop on there a stick on drum drop Mm -hmm. During a song you can't just grab it just throw it to the side and all of a sudden the snare is open Mm -hmm. You don't really have that option unless you unless you get a pad Another pad and have two snares that are different from each other although there are other things that you can do with electronic kids um, oh yeah. I mean, it's pretty much as MIDI so you could go nuts with it if you're really Oh yeah, I too. mean you can sample stuff. I suppose you could sample your own drum set and do that, but it still would not have uh, that sound. Mm-hmm. It just it just wouldn't. Um, I love using a real kit in the studio. I uh, I don't foresee a time when I'm going to probably use an
0: electronic kit yeah. I think the best part about them is they're they're really convenient. Most of the time, you can like take them and just fold them up like a rack and set it in the corner, and they're pretty small, you know. Yeah. Um, well,
1: things like church gigs, I mean, they're kind of a mainstay there because that's a volume issue. Mm-hmm. Anytime that there's a volume issue, you're going to see those kind of drum kits. Yeah. Well, back when we were on the road, um, you know, and we're playing some hard rock, we're in some of these clubs, and there's volume restrictions. And I remember, you know, we're playing these tunes and I had to pull out some root sticks, you know, to play with just to drop the volume. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that the whole week that Oof, we were there. Yeah. And I was like, I hate this job. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pound my drums. I could not wait to get to the next gig mm-hmm. so I could smack those puppies, you know. Um that That's probably the most frustrating thing about being a drummer is, you know, being told to turn down, you know. I, I remember I was on the road. We were doing a sound check in Wisconsin, and uh, everything's mic'd, and, you know, we're doing drum tests and getting that done. And there's a drunk out in the audience, and he's complaining, and he's like, turn it down, it's too loud, too loud, you know. <laughs> And we're just trying to get through it. And then he, he called me, called me a choice name, and I followed him out. <laughs> and confronted him on it. I said, "Don't ever do that to me again," you know. And that night, that same guy shows up, just tanked, and requests wipeout. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to stick one in your craw there. Yeah. I just, uh, I gave him the, the number one sign and <laughs> said, yeah,
0: that's not happening. God, that's always the worst. Cause, I mean, you'll hear that at like, uh, people yell free bird. That's the one for a guitarist. Free oh, bird! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doug Nickel. that's his favorite, you know, I've got a free bird for you. <laughs> oh, man. I do think one of the coolest parts about like a digital mixer is the fact that you're eliminating a lot of cables and and by doing it. You can leave it up on the stage. You no longer have to put... The whole entire mixing console in the back of the room and then run cables from the back all the way back to the stage and mics and there's no more of that nonsense that really has to go on anymore
1: oh yeah well you don't have outboard gear like compressors Mm -hmm. and and gates to carry around for the drum kits and vocals Um, you don't have separate effects racks uh, that you need to carry around so if you've not only have you limited those physical pieces of gear but you've eliminated all the cabling that goes along with them and yeah. the racks themselves, and now a lot of us have switched to in ears, which also has eliminated a lot of a lot of no weight. more monitors up front, right? Yep. And I I think last year is when we finally made the switch to a lot of that stuff. Um, we've been running a digital console, but we we went from a traditional digital console to one that just sits in a rack and that you control with a. With a tablet,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I figure we uh, we eliminated a thousand pounds of weight, maybe more, out of the trailer, plus the amount of time that it is required to set up. Yeah, so really, um, we have two systems that we run. We have a we have a self-powered system PA. Um, which is a 15 inch speaker sub and then two 10 inch tops and you would not think that that would get it done but you know, that thing is amazing and because of the processing that you and the power that you get through one of these digital mixers you can eke out a lot more headroom out of a small system mm-hmm. um so we have that system so it's just roll the mixer in, plug into it run the tie lines to the to the powered system mm-hmm. and fire it up do a quick eq check and go yep uh, the other system is a bigger system and and we didn't even use it last year now that system's eight thousand watts of power and we never pulled it out once yeah i couldn't believe it um but that's a separate set of power amps. Yeah, it's a whole. But it's still. It's only a couple more cables, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the weight factor, because like the subs are two hundred pounds a piece. And...
0: I'm I'm only in my early thirties, and I'm tired of carrying around heavy oh, yeah. stuff. You know, <laughs> like yeah, I don't want to carry it. I, I get it, man. I. I, I have a bass cab that literally weighs, I think the, in the manual it says it weighs 98 pounds. Yeah. And it's just a bass cabinet for a bass guitar. And I mean, they sell for a lot of money, but nobody around here wants to buy it from me just for the simple fact that it weighs so much. Oh, you can't you can't get rid of a 412 cab right now. Yeah, it's pretty tough, yeah. I never thought I'd see the day where, like, Marshall 412 cabinets would be like, oh, it's $250, $300, bucks, and it's like, this one's got full well, of sauce I mean,
1: cans, you know? look here, this is, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. the kind
0: of stuff I use. I mean,
1: I've always used, I mean, even, I've got a crank amp over here, and I, it's, uh, it's just single 12s.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice, know? though. I mean, you really don't need much more. No,
1: because your mic and everything, usually, mm-hmm. um... That, that helps, I mean, it's more set up. You gotta run a mic to here and a mic to there, but mm-hmm. um, you get more control over your sound. It helps keeps your stage volume down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in, in the band that I'm in, uh, the other guitar player, Bruce, he puts his amplifier, or not his amplifier, but his speaker cabinet inside a case mm-hmm. to uh, eliminate that sound being on the stage. In, yep. s- in certain places yep. if we can get away with it and just have the cabinet open it certainly would be better mm-hmm. and so we'll do that i think our last gig we got up to uh we were up in at humboldt mm-hmm. at the uh, um, north iowa dragway oh yeah did that end up going did That end up, no it didn't now we got it rained. they were just just super nice people we we got up there got on the trailer we're we're setting up right next to the drag lanes and watching these cars take off and it was just so awesome um, and of course there was times you know we couldn't see anything or let alone breathe
0: <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh But it, it was really cool um, so we sat up and uh, the gal that's in the in the booth doing the announcing she's talking about the band and she's you know um, just excited to have us there and pumping everybody up you know and finally, we're supposed to start at 10. Finally, the drags get out, get done. We're all ready to go. 15 minutes before
0: we're supposed to start, our drummer goes, "Hey, look at this!" And it was—I looked at it. It was the smallest but reddest dot on the yeah. File. And it was heading right five for you. miles. <laughs> right five miles over. away, we're like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> so and it poured because
1: I mean. I'm, I'm it didn't pour where we were. Oh, really? it, it rained some, but it was the. We didn't know what to do. So me and the uh the guy that hired us we got together we're standing there and like we're trying to figure out what should we do all of a sudden a bolt of lightning hits right by us we're like okay well that's it (laughs) pack it up pack it up so we tore it down really quick and shoved it in there and then we just stood around and talked Mm -hmm. for about the next hour after we packed the trailer and we're just so bummed oh my god didn't get to play but he was they were so kind they were they were so kind and they booked us for uh, bat. Uh, they booked us back there August twenty
0: eighth. Cool. So I think that's one of the neat things. Like Humble County's got a dragway still. That's pretty sweet, you know. It like, is. I I, I I don't
1: know. I think I'm gonna find some time to go up there
0: when I'm not playing. Oh yeah, actually enjoy yourself instead of hauling gear around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I,
1: I, the sad thing is I won't get as good a seat.
0: Oh yeah, right yeah, next yeah.
1: to yeah. <laughs> right next to the lanes themselves. It was kind of funny though we were. To for us to set up we had to we had to actually be in the the lanes that they take you over in to go drag race mm-hmm. and then back the trailer in. And so we were we were thinking about taking the trailer down the <laughs> just make a
0: pass once for a five. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's one of the other crazy things. Like You don't play a whole lot of, like I would call them just bar shows anymore. Your, a lot of your shows are usually outdoor, uh, akin to an event or like a weekend at a, a winery. They're going to have uh, yeah. something going on and then they have music and you guys are there for three, four hours or something. You, those are a lot of the shows you play now. So even though bars are open and have music in them now, mm-hmm. that's not really... I'm not, I'm not saying that's not your scene, but that's not your major area where you play now so a lot of your shows have been canceled just due to the fact that street dances for certain towns have been canceled and and things like that and uh, like, how's all that shaking down for you? How do you feel about that? I I think that
1: when the wineries and the breweries came in, I think that changed the whole live music dynamic in many areas of the country. Um, We're here in Iowa of course For us here, where we're living, it really kind of overtook the bars Yeah. as far as live music. Um, A lot of bars aren't really set up for live music, it's just an afterthought, but many of these other places are really gearing towards that. For instance, uh, one venue here in town has built a stage, but they always intended on doing something and they've they've made slow steady progress uh they're in fact they're going to be putting in lighting now Oh, cool. they have a sound system there um they even went as far as they listened to advice from many people and they put in sound deadening oh cool so there's really helped the acoustics which is really nice to see um one of the wineries even did the same thing they they um they figured out how to get the room to to quiet down
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because they use that room not only as the place that they entertain the people, but when people aren't in there in and, and those other hours, that's where they make the wine. Yeah. So they those places seem to really have it together on that on that. Um, some of the more traditional bars that have eateries in them, they ha- they'll have music. Yep. Um sometimes, but they're probably more geared for solo acoustic music. Yep. A lot of times. Now, we're going to we are playing a bar this weekend on the 13th, and that's at Sneakers. Oh, cool. Yeah. Or not Sneakers, pardon me. Huh, back that up. Community Pizza. It's still cool. Uh, yeah, the, on the 13th. Um I believe this is for some type of cancer benefit.
0: Nice.
1: Um uh, but nice. it will it will be outside. Oh, cool! So they got that big parking lot there and everything. Yeah, I don't know if she's going to have us in their pavilion there, or if she's going to have us out on the sidewalk. I'm kind of hoping we'll be out on outside on the sidewalk because you can fit a lot more people that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, if they've got that straightened out with the city or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, but that's really been about it the rest has just been the winery kind of thing Mm -hmm. but but now with the the covid thing all of that a lot of that's gone Mm -hmm. um right now most of the breweries that i played at they're still not having any entertainment Yep. yep so any gigs that are coming in right now you know i'm really thankful for
0: yeah um I mean, like, I've played a couple shows at a couple bars um, since everything started back up. But, you know, it's it's still one of those situations. Some bands don't want to play at, at the current moment because of one reason or another. You've got yeah. some bars that are, well, we'll open up, but I don't want to have music in here. We're just going to slowly get back to normal instead of, um, you know, just going f- f- balls to the wall right off the bat, you know. And, right. Um, some people go to bars to... To just drink and music's not their their thing. They go thing. for yeah. Um, I mean, you can. The first show I had back at a place um, when the bar's opened you know, there's a guy heckling there, and he's just like, "They just opened the bars, you guys are already in here," and it's just like. You know, you end up with a... Really? The guy didn't want to hear live music. Where where was this at? I almost don't want to say. No, that's okay. uh, I've only played it at one place since everything's open, so it wouldn't be hard to do your research. Okay, yeah, yeah. But but it was a patron at a bar, and uh, he ended up riding a cab home instead of driving his car home Mm -hmm. um, by the request of everybody that was there. Uh, Uh. So you could tell he was pretty tuned up, but it was just one of those things where... I mean, even though everything's kind of back to normal some things aren't quite back to normal. Oh, well, it's you not know?
1: back to normal I, I don't think in any sense of the word, but um, I've I've had club owners in particular write me Apologizing to have to cancel the gig Because they're not ready. Mm-hmm. They either are not ready because they're not comfortable with it or They don't have they're still waiting on the cleaning supply. Mm-hmm uh, that's been an issue I know um, one gal just apologized over herself and I I wrote her back I said you don't need to apologize to me
0: yeah everyone's I, flying by the seat of their pants right now I said, knows what's yeah going on. this
1: is this is unprecedented and um, you know my own store my, my music store has been closed since the beginning of this mm-hmm. and as of right now we're just open for business through appointment only Mm -hmm. i don't intend to go off of that until after the summer Mm -hmm. because they're just simply there's not enough of not enough of us working right now which means sales are going to be way down Mm -hmm. i mean i've got i've got vendors right now that want to sell me stuff at crazy discounted rates it'd be nice but then you don't have anybody to sell it to. yeah i mean you know why would i buy that now and have it become old stock yeah,
0: because you never know. Like, like we said, everything's turning over so fast now. A year down the road, is what you're getting from them might be. Oh yeah. Obsolete would be the you know maybe not obsolete but it's yeah it's, it's now the second you know there's a third gen out you you have the second gen in your shop and, and oh exactly you know. exactly so I, I you know I told her I said
1: uh, just because these places are willing to be open suddenly and are ready to just because they're ready to be back open doesn't mean that people are going to come yeah true and i've already seen that firsthand where they didn't show Mm -hmm. Um, but at another place uh, we played a played a venue and we were outside and they did come Mm -hmm. we had a great crowd yeah and i think we were due for a really good crowd over here at the at the dragway as well but of course that didn't happen and uh, back to what you were saying about um you know, we were talking about something that that's obsolete and mm-hmm. nothing flat. There's so many products that are like that. That's what's also been kind of nice about some of the digital mixers that have come out. Like, I'm, I'm Of course, I'm using Soundcraft as my example because I just happen to have one. Uh, the nice thing about that is that they were coming out with updates. So basically, you were, you were getting a new mixer. Mm-hmm for nothing
0: yeah every I mean, year the coolest part about that is not just updating the software but like also the firmware within the yeah within the unit itself and that, yeah that's pretty sweet you know when it can do that if if somebody's it takes yeah. a lot of in, intuitive thought though on their right. part to be like we have enough hardware here to do all this crazy stuff uh even right. if some of it's not applicable yet we'll have a firmware update that'll utilize it later the only the only thing i worry about with that
1: I'm and you know i'm only half joking Mm-hmm. is uh, that that will become like the iphone where they start giving you software you know they'll update this firmware only to make your unit not want to cooperate yeah. and like, so that you've got to get a new one the
0: classic iphone 6 situation yeah well heck i'm i still have a i have a 4s <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, I skip every few years i think i had a three and then I had a six and now we're gonna
1: yeah the 10 or whatever now if i ever get a new one i uh eventually i'll probably have to well my wife will kill me if i don't
0: but uh <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it is right though like some of these i mean they got obviously they got in trouble for doing that but it, it could happen accidentally where they they're not planning the obsolescence where they say well here's this new firmware update and you don't know it might make your hardware react kind of weird with one another yeah and, um, I think the biggest issue with the iPhones was the battery. It caused the batteries to, right, to process way faster, and that it, it caused them to bulge a little bit inside right. of the phone.
1: No, I think what I see in the future for some of this stuff, you know, and I don't doubt. Well, it's just like um, with audio software, um, for instance, uh, Audition and Pro Tools. You know, you don't own it. They, Oh, you're, almost like you're, leasing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're leasing it Yeah, you're leasing it and if you want to continue that then they have you continue to pay now with uh, what I have the personas you can just buy it mm-hmm. and they'll update you and then eventually they won't yep. and then you have to buy the new version and I, I get that um, but I can see a time where like with digital councils where they would go okay well you've got your digital council if you want the latest thing you're going to have to pay yeah. Let's say you got to pay $15 for, you know, the latest update or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I could see somebody trying to do that. Now, whether that would um, work, that depends on the people yeah. feeling. Like, you'd have to prove that your update was worth having.
0: Yeah, exactly. You'd have to, I mean... It, could be like the most menial thing they're updating, and they're like, "It's it's great, ten bucks, please." And yeah. And you're like, "It doesn't change anything on my end. I don't even use the feature you're updating, anyways. So a difference right. does it make." Right. That, or it,
1: or it starts to become glitchy because they're not taking care of problems. You know that. That's the reason I switched over to this uh, new software, uh, Studio One. I had been on Audition for years, mm-hmm. and I had started with them when they were Cool Edit Pro. So I just I was used to that way of working, but I realized that you know in reading their forum that they weren't taking care of issues um that they were having in the software they were still having problems with it Mm -hmm. and i went i'm not gonna
0: yeah you can see where this is
1: headed yeah i'm not gonna buy that i'm gonna it's time for me to find something new so Mm -hmm. and uh i'm really glad of the choice that i made because this uh i know a number of guys that have this and and now I can work with them, passing audio back and forth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, so what do you have planned? Are, do you have another gig coming oh, up? Oh
0: gosh, uh, I don't think we have any more gigs booked at the moment. Um, the metal band I'm in is kind of not playing shows right now. Yeah. Um, we're we were like in the middle of maybe recording something, but everybody got so busy that we're kind of just just sweep it to the side for a while because. I mean that was a very labor-intensive thing. It was lots of yeah. f- fast notes, a lot of articulation, harmonies, and nonsense. So it's it takes a lot to up your chops and actually be good standing next to the people you're standing next to. Um, yeah. So like I said, that kind of just got swept to the side. Punk band's still going. We got an album we recorded. We're cool. Uh, working on getting it on a on a vinyl so we can sell it. Um, otherwise, like a lot of the singles you can hear on your probably your local radio station wherever you're listening to this in Iowa. We sent it out to almost every one of them that had a show that would play local tunes and right. almost every single one of them has played us. So, uh, thanks everybody. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, it's kind of neat, you know, to hear your stuff on the radio and realize you, you kind of fit into the scene a little bit, you know, and that's really cool. People in Eastern Iowa hear your stuff and say, Hey, I heard you on the radio. It's pretty sweet. You know, and is it, is it easy to, to sell LPs like, like records? I don't know. You don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I, uh, My suggestion was nobody buys physical media anymore, so why make it? Yeah. But a lot of people have argued against that. They said, well, you'd be surprised. We didn't have a CD for three years, and then we finally came out with one, and people just gobbled it up, and it was like, okay, you know, I guess. So we'll see. Uh, There's a big comeback with LPs, so maybe that'll be something to be said for that, but...
1: Well, what's cool about it though is the artwork. Usually, if you're gonna have an LP, you're gonna have a lot of artwork
0: on there. I mean, we went that route. We yeah. Paid an artist to render images for us for the front and back and high detail and you know. So we've got yeah. we've got all that stuff going on.
1: Yeah, Surf Zombies. They had a they had an LP. Um, in fact, I think a, an old friend of mine, a kid that I grew up playing with, I think he did the colorizing of that. Uh, Album or had something to do with the artwork and he's also a cartoonist himself. His name is Billy Heller. Okay uh, You should check him out sometime. Right. Yeah, yeah
0: you, to check that uh, out. He
1: lives in Cedar Rapids nice, so yeah, he's played with a lot of different people. He's a killer guitar player. It's awesome So That's
0: the other thing the more of these I do the more I realize I don't know there's so many killer guitar and musicians. Oh, yeah, drummers. I'm never gonna be able to get to all of them by now, the time I'm done doing this we like, gotta get. we've got to get you we've got to get Bruce Bruce Borchers Yeah Cause, I mean, we did the whole band one with everybody that's in this yeah. Car Band. Uh, kind of got the story of, the basic story of everybody and then how you all got together. You know, yeah. that's, that was the gist of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be great to be able to sit down and talk with people. But I mean, even with like coronavirus going on now, it's tough to be able to, it's tough to be like, hey, can I come to your house and interview you? Or do you trust oh, yeah. me being in your house? You know, and different people are in different ages, different areas of health, different mindsets about what's going on and everything and some people are like uh, no and other people are like yeah you know and
1: it's it's tough It uh, there are people that are still not comfortable i've had people tell me that we wanted to come to your show but i'm too
0: afraid to go out and justifiably so yeah. based on the fact that you
1: know, <laughs> yeah i mean i've also had you know we tried to invite a number of different people here and i was turned down because they were afraid of uh you know they had autoimmune issues mm-hmm. um so and i can't do anything about that um you know um, i myself have been tested for it and don't have it mm-hmm. um for what that's worth yeah um but i don't know what to think of it and yeah um, not enough I'm, information
0: to make a yeah I'm, I'm not
1: gonna i'm not gonna push anybody on on it i don't I don't have a feeling one way or the other. I guess I'm just kind of watching what's ha- what's happening, and
0: uh, but that's the benefit of doing the live streams. You're actually, you actually you give the ability to people that are not comfortable to go out into public. You still give them the ability to hear you and see you, which is really yeah. nice, you know. And like you said earlier, there's some people that even if COVID never happened, still wouldn't go out to a show based on the fact that they can't or shouldn't or have right. problems or they broke their leg and they can't get out of bed or you know just something like that. And so it actually gives them the ability to sit down and watch it, oh, which yeah. is a really neat thing. Well, like my, my own band,
1: too, This when this all went down, we didn't have a place to play, so this was at least like having a gig yeah you know and we treated it like we set up lights and we just treated it just like a normal gig and i just said just pretend they're they're sitting right in front of you mm-hmm. and uh the same thing for for the guys that came and played here well we had rod johnson here oh yep yep and he he was he was really nervous about doing it but um he did a great job uh, we had uh, uh dr paul vada here and okay. uh they loved him we, we got a lot of compliments on his on his show and uh, I asked him, I said, uh, would you consider coming back? And he said, yeah, so nice. we might do that. I, I don't know what we're going to do from here forward. Um, just, like, just like everything with the country right now that's going on, I just have to play it uh, one day at a time yep. and just see
0: what's, what's happening. I, when all this started happening and I saw that you and other people had started doing live streaming, I initially thought... You're ruining you're ruining what you've worked so hard for.
1: It made me wonder,
0: yeah. Because, uh, I mean, you, what you have is you're an amazing musician. You're you're well enough known around the area, the people that know you around the area and surrounding towns, so they would be willing to go see you play live. But if, right. if you're just giving it to them all for free in the comfort of their own homes right there on the are internet... Are they going to be willing to go out? And I was just like, no, everyone's doing this. They're ruining something. And then I didn't realize it's actually... People are more likely to... Tip oh here's a dollar. Even if it's just a dollar, two dollars, five bucks. I mean, you're you're actually like you're still generating money, people are still thankful for it. They're still showing you how thankful they are by giving you money. The benefit is they don't have to drive to a bar, they don't have to buy five dollar drinks and then try to find a way to Well, I hope this person's getting paid enough and I'm not I'll put a dollar in the tip jar, I guess, but I've already spent twenty dollars today, you know. There's none of that going on now. So Well it's 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 tip money, you know,
1: as far as what they gave uh, people uh, uh, tipped us mm-hmm. through Venmo and PayPal. Um, and, of course, this is a learning curve for me. Uh, um, in our case, we'd ring the cowbell every time yeah. somebody tipped us. I
0: love the, just uh, the fun concepts like that. Made yeah. me smile.
1: Um, they, they, I can see that they don't tip as much now because some things have kind of gone back to normal. And, and frankly, if, if they were tipping and they were out of work, Ooh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I told them, uh, I said, you know, if this goes on pretty long, the tips are not going to be there. They're not going to have the money to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think I think in the end, uh, irregardless of whether they, they tip or not, um, we need an audience and they need entertainment. Yeah. And so, eventually, all of this will go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different kind of normal, maybe. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect, because this has just not happened before, yeah. <laughs> uh, ever. So, I'm going to just do a little bit at a time, keep, uh, keep my eye on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, right from the get-go, it was just reacting to what was happening Mm -hmm. and that's all I'm doing now is just sort of reacting now the last couple weeks I haven't really had much out there Mm -hmm. because I've been reacting to us going back to playing
0: thinking well this probably is the tail end of that Mm -hmm. but I don't think it is I don't think so either I don't think so. I feel like you could get away with doing like you said something once a week even if it's just a half an hour even if it's just you sitting here alone you could bring someone in whatever you know and it's yeah there's, I think there's a way to go about doing exactly what you're doing because the video and audio is high quality enough that it's not, people don't feel like that you've cheapened the experience at all. Uh, well, it's, it's advertising too. You know? um,
1: essentially you're, you're advertising yourself and if somebody, let's say from um, Eastern Iowa, happens to see me on one of these programs, uh, they may hire me at their venue. Mm-hmm and so there's a gig Yep. you know um, because there you can do certain things I mean you're still giving entertainment through this medium but it's really not the same thing as actually being there in a live gig situation because when I'm in a live gig situation and there are people in front of me and they're talking and I can hear them mm-hmm. I can interrupt them and make them part of the show Yep. and, and try to bring them in and try to get everybody having fun um, and that's that's the part that's missing a little bit with the doing it on a television camera because mm-hmm. and I you have to understand I'm 59 years old so it's like we're on TV yep. <laughs> it's just it's just weird to say that yep. but because you could not it's, that's how much things have changed you could not be on TV whenever you wanted to Yep. if somebody if you got lucky you got to be on like a telethon or something Yep you know that was a big deal but now really anybody can go on here the the there there's a lot of questions it's like is this going to continue will we will we be able to do this and possibly make money will we be able to do this um, put these series of performances out and will people hire us mhm and and also by doing this will they will they come to know our original music mhm and I think that, that right there, that point is really important. Yeah. I think this medium is a really positive thing because for the first time, we're going to be able to get our original music out to a larger number of people than ever before because now we're on the same playing field as a large scale artist. Yeah. Yeah. More so than ever before. Yeah. Yeah because they're not able to go out and do their concerts mm-hmm. so people are looking for new music and they're finding it
0: yeah oh yeah yeah I mean I am
1: I boy I tell you what uh, between all of these live stream sites um, in particular on Facebook because that's the medium I'm on yep I, th- I think I belong to I don't know probably 10 or 11
0: mm-hmm.
1: different pages yep. And so not only do I put my stuff on there, but I go and watch other artists. Yep. And it's, it's really cool to see some of these different people. There's some very talented it's, people
0: out there. It's pretty mind-blowing because, like you said, on some of those you can see people singing and playing a piano. And that doesn't, there's yeah. almost none of that that goes on at bars around here, you know. That's not something that gets hired for a Saturday night show, but it's still super cool. And you would, I would never get the opportunity to see that unless somebody did it independently and put it online and that's right that's really neat you know yeah. or like you said somebody playing a ukulele a bass and a looper and stuff and it's I, is this person going to get hired at a bar maybe maybe not but they're doing it online live and it's really cool so it's kind of neat that you get to see that you wouldn't normally have oh
1: yeah well and you I think in this process you're you are gaining a lot of knowledge um, you know um, my own streams like I've learned how to use OBS and you know the things that I'm doing are very simple. Um, I'm learning how to you know pan cameras and get close-up shots, etc, pro- program those in so that they can just be hit. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too is that you can put text on there and different pieces of artwork. Um, in the case of like Trevor, oh yeah, you know he, uh, it's amazing what he's done with his junk food jam, you know he, I watched that the other day, and, you know, he's just got this nice layout yeah. over the top.
0: Yeah, it looked like a box of
1: Oreos. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> It was yeah. so awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did a great job with it. I mean, that's really amazing, and he's just doing it out of his, his home. Yeah, yeah. And, um... And I think that's that's what's really cool is to see the different ways that people are doing it, and we all all of us are learning from it. Yeah, I think I think it's just positive for 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 live music and original music. Yeah, Very definitely. much
0: so. So uh, I'm assuming if people want to watch any of these, the place to do it is your Facebook profile. For but, now, yes. But you do share it in all of the groups on Facebook like the Eastern Iowa and, and even the Audible Farm group. So if you want to get in the Audible Farm group, I, I see you sharing them in there too. But, yes. But um, all the Iowa live music places and stuff, I've seen, you know, I've interacted with a lot of the people that kind of do the same thing I do where they kind of try and pump up the musicians in their area. And, you know, a lot of them are starting to take notice of things that are going on in different areas. You know, some of them peek into my group and see what's going on and share it into their group. And it's, you know, it now makes it from the northern Iowa area over to the Waterloo and Iowa City area. You know, right. so it's kind of neat to see all that happening. And uh, I think it's actually created a lot more networking than people actually originally thought of. Oh, definitely. Because, uh, you know, everyone's locked in a vacancy and all you have to do is get on your phone and look at Facebook.
1: Well, and people like you with your show... I, I'm really grateful for it. I enjoy Ooh, nice. listening to your interviews. Uh, you do a great job. Um, and uh, thanks for providing us a place to put our stuff. Yep. Um, it does mean a lot to all of us. Um, and it's nice to have um, somebody in this area that we know. Yeah. Uh, at least for us locally here. Yep. Um, people like yourself and uh, Bob Minter. Yeah. You know, you guys are highly, valu- highly
0: valued valued. By us, we yeah, really appreciate it. I love me some Bob. I, I, there's a handful of people I can point at and be like, "These people were the inspiration for me to do what I'm doing." And Bob is obviously one of those people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he when I first joined a punk band and I got a hold of him and said, "Hey, I'm in a punk band. Here's some songs." He could have just as easily ignored me and said, "You know, take a hike, there, Junior." But he loves it so no, much. He, he loves music.
1: He he just you know he's he involves himself in it. It's in him. He just wants it. It's all part of him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he does great interviews. uh, Yes,
0: his interviews are really good.
1: And he's... Well, he's an entertaining
0: individual anyway. (laughs) I I interviewed him once, and he opens up with some of the greatest stuff ever. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to the Bob Mentor interview I did. Yeah, yeah. Like 60 episodes ago, but it was... That was a fun one, because I... Actually, that day I, I donated a guitar I built and then did an interview with Mason on the Regional Rock Hour and then drove all the way to Bob's house and did an interview with him. And I was, oh, wow. I mean, I had like school work and That's then did all that day. stuff. And I was gone for like almost 24 hours straight by the time I got home. But it was just like, this is insane. I, I It was so fun. It was worth it. He's just such a fun guy, fun loving, always willing to, uh, you know, listen to what other musicians are doing. It's, it's really great. Oh, Yeah. You know? yeah definitely so uh check out chris's stuff you got uh chris Carband, uh that's a facebook page you've got for that um yep. you've also got your own profile which is where most of the videos will end up but like i said if you want to go to those facebook groups or the audible farm group he shares them in there all the time mm-hmm. otherwise shoot him a friend request maybe he'll add you maybe not otherwise like i said it's gonna be you have to go to those groups to uh definitely be able to see it it'll be there for sure so yeah um you know i, I love what you're doing Keep it up! Thank uh, you. I don't want I don't want you to stop. I mean, like I said, when I first started, I was like, "You're ruining everything!" And then all right, of a sudden, it's right. like now it's like, "Don't stop! Don't stop what you're doing! It's too good, cool to good. stop!" So I really appreciate it. I don't know. Maybe we need to have you guys here. Oh yeah! If you want a punk band in here, we could do it. <laughs> you know. Hey. You know. It, I don't know. I mean, I. I still think it'd be great to put it all on a, its own independent Facebook page instead of your personal profile, but I'm not running the show. and every, it's Well, I,
1: you know, there's I'll, there's reasons I haven't done that. I will tell you off air. Uh, they're not, it's not crazy <laughs> or
0: anything. Yeah. I just did some yeah. certain things. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'll put links down below to everything I can find that is Chris's online. So check them out. Hit him up for a gig if you guys are doing gigs. Uh, maybe he'll come out and do a gig with you. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thank Thanks you very man. much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> that was uh, that was good. That was, was that two hours? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was two hours. That was a good two-hour episode. That was like one of the first super long episodes I had. I absolutely loved sitting down talking with him. Eventually, we just had to end it there somewhere. Otherwise, we would have just kept talking, I'm sure. Uh, that's a really good one. I'm going to have some updated links down below for Chris... Uh, to check him out, see where you can find him. I know he's got Facebook, and I know he's got a website, and I know he keeps both of them fairly current, so uh, at least the Facebook is very, very, very updated. So, whether it's his personal music or his band's page, I know they're out there playing shows, so check them out. It is an absolute, absolute must. I didn't mention it in the intro, but another good thing about this episode was you know, I'm seeing a lot more people polishing off their their video game and that's something i never really got too into unfortunately i was i've just been too too busy you know or whatever just here's my excuse i should have just done it and and made a setup and had it and made it easy but it's tough when you're one person you got to produce all this stuff yourself you know it's tough to set up the interviews and do all the everything's but hey uh, who's complaining here whatever the the whole point of that was i i've seen this big influx of not just uh bands but you know online personalities and everyone kind of upping their game when it comes to video you know and i think that was a direct correlation you know due to you know unfortunately due to covid and this episode was recorded um when it was weird because like you know that was when the restrictions had lifted and all this other stuff so depending on where you lived and this is you know whatever but so we had sat down and talked you know face to face but we were talking a lot about obs and doing things with different softwares to kind of merge your music and and video together and it would be really fun to set something up like that for a music venue and i don't know why some music venues don't utilize that in some capacity still but um, doesn't mean they have to i mean it's i understand the reason why some of them wouldn't want to to an extent you know you don't want to give it away for free but you can put it behind a paywall or or something you know there's something you can do with that I still feel it's a valuable tool and uh, I don't I'm mean, i gonna have to go off memory here I don't know who was there but uh, I believe it's XBK is that the name of the venue in Des Moines that's somewhat new and uh, I saw them they post a video online great you know sounded great looked great hey you know venues I think they should do it Uh, nice looking little venue I think I should uh, check it out sometime I I've never been there and uh, maybe I should swing down there sometime when I got some free time and I'm in Des Moines. And maybe you should too. Uh, they're not paying me to say this because, quite frankly, I've never been there. So, uh, I, I just think it's looked, in- looked interesting online and uh, kind of brought up a good point when it comes back to uh, video and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, speaking of which, there is going to be a music video dropping tomorrow. Well... The song is dropping tomorrow, I believe the music video might be a week later, but Jesse Wilson has a song coming out, My Girl, My World, you should check it out, I play guitar in his band when he plays live, so it would be tons of fun to check that one out, Uh, I did not play on the studio version of the track, but uh, like I said, you can catch me playing with him live, I know he's going to be playing some shows, so check him out online. Uh, I know I've done an episode or two with him. I got all his links in those episodes, so check those out if you guys are interested in that. Uh, otherwise, like I said, that music video is going to be coming out for that soon, and I'm in the music video, so that's going to be, you know, hey, 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 what do I tell you here? You know, it's, it's going to be pretty cool, so check it out. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a good video. It uh, comes back down to bands making music videos. Hey, you guys got music videos? Uh, let, let me know. Post them somewhere, and I'll, I'll try and find them. Drop them in that Audible Farm group. Join the Audible Farm group on Facebook. Also check out the YouTube. There's uh, tons of good stuff on the YouTube. I'm still getting like some of my guitar videos have comments that still roll in with people saying like this is cool I'm bookmarking this what do I do in this situation and it's just kind of fun to have people still interacting with the YouTube page in some fashion or another so uh, if you guys want to interact with the YouTube page check it out it's really fun to have like I said to have people post questions on there to say hey this is a cool episode or whatever or you know go back and watch the band videos that I had recorded when I kind of first started Audible Farm and that's you know, that could be a thing to check out, too. So, there's all sorts of stuff on there. Tons of views. Uh, just keep rolling in on all of the the back catalogs on there. So, thank you very much for watching the, the podcast. I guess watching, listening on YouTube. Uh, and thank you to the Patreon patrons for watching. Unfortunately, this week there is no video version of this. Because even though we spent the whole time on the, the podcast talking about video and things like that, I did not do video at that time. But... The crazy fun thing was not too long after that, I started doing video for the podcast, which uh, kind of opened up a can of worms, but it also kind of uh, helped out a little bit and made a Patreon page where people can watch the video versions for $1 a month. So if you guys have a dollar a month and you guys want to watch video versions of the podcast, check it out. There's a link down below. Audible Farm on Patreon. Uh, Like I said, unfortunately this week there isn't one, because I think this might have been what spurred me to kind of start doing video. Uh, was talking to Chris about it so much, you know, and um, yeah. So check it out, Patreon. Uh, otherwise, all the Audible Farm links are at audiblefarm.com. That's where you can find all the Audible Farm goodies. Hey, we're over two hours in. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you're ready for something new. So I'm gonna check out, and I will check you guys out next week with a new guest. All right, peace. Yeah. <laughs> you